Cheers, y'all. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world-famous Smokin' and Toastin'. Welcome. It's Thursday. We're on show number 241, if you Ooh. can believe that. That has us That's about a lot. halfway to 300. Yep. Yeah. That's so, mathematically uh, almost exact. So, yes, absolutely. And uh, Michael Duckworth is joining us today from True hey. Anomaly Brewing Company. Welcome back. Appreciate it. Thanks. I like Tabco. Nice that's the here. that's the abbreviated version of your name. That's acronyms. Everything cool. yeah. acronym in our world. I like it. I like it. So the first time we had you on, uh, I just absolutely fell in love with your IPAs, and uh, so you know you've got me hooked. Now on this show, I understand you're uh, working on kind of uh, speaking Ian's language because that's true. Some yeah, barrel yeah. We, we won you these. over. We need to uh, yeah, go to the big yeah, guy next yeah, and yeah, see yeah, if so. we can't bring some nice uh, barrel aged offerings. As well, way. Ian, that is your wheelhouse. I love if you if you barrel aged beers. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so we're looking forward to that. We got a lot of good things to go through today. We are brought to you by mycigarshirts.com. It's great shirts for cigar lovers on the web. Uh, they all start under twenty bucks and they are uh, quite cool actually. Check them out. Mycigarshirts.com because. Cigars. Yep. Uh, and you know where to find them because it's. Cause I love those shirts because they have that really soft uh, cotton. Right. Oh, fabric. you hate when you get the uh, when you when you get a shirt from someplace you put it on it's kind of scratchy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, these are not like. Or that if at you all. If, or if you get one with a big picture like 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 what I have on right. here and it feels all plastic yeah. underneath. This one, this <laughs> yeah. one doesn't do that either. Yeah. But uh, but some but of some them, of them do. do. Yeah. Yeah. So. I can. I had I a will... great Willie Nelson concert T-shirt that was like that. I Man, I put it on. I just felt like I was wearing a plastic bib on my. <laughs> Do, well, do you remember, like, back in the old days, uh, when you would go to a T-shirt shop, you'd pick out the design from the uh, designs up on the wall, and then they would, like, iron it onto your shirt, and it would be that plastic I do applicator. remember that. Yeah, I remember. I had a Star Man, Wars shirt that was... I'm uh, old. That was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am, too, because that was from the original Star Wars, you know, back when the movies were good. Uh, so it was uh, it was pretty... 70s. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so welcome to the show. We mentioned it's number 241. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We'll be talking a little bit about each of those today, uh, including a list uh, that has been released of the best Irish whiskeys, according to the <laughs> International Wine and Spirits Competition. So I love that idea. This isn't just, you know, some, like, random mag. It's not the Rob Report's best <laughs> Irish whiskeys where they just go pick the expensive ones and say they're the best. Uh, this is, uh, this is a, a real list from the people who uh, at least should know what they're doing, the International Wine and Spirits Competition. So we'll talk about that, and we'll talk, of course, about True Anomaly uh, beers, and we will uh, talk cigars. Uh, we will do drinking news, our drinking news teaser headline today. Sto oh. Stolen, by the way, from... Stolen from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You remember that movie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. the teaser headline today is 69, dude. Remember that? Whenever anything would... Yeah, Whenever yeah. anything would be oh, 69, they, had, they, had, they like, would high-five. Like, 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 yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. What was the name of their band? The Wild Stallions with a Y? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, there are, we'll talk about some new cigars to watch for. There's a new study. Uh, well, I, don't even, I almost don't want to give this away. Let me, let me just ask you, Ian. Did you participate in a study from uh, Pitt? About uh, about craft beer, not that I remember. Well, I'm thinking you might have because 
you have a tendency to skew things. The uh, new study from Pitt has found that Americans are drinking more craft beers mm. with higher alcohol content. I, I do like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, Ian must I don't have, think I don't. Ian think, must have voted. I several don't think times. I like beers because they have higher alcohol content. I find a lot of times that beers that I like have higher alcohol content, which is slightly different. A little well, more full body, generally. And, yeah, too, I, right? bigger, it, they generally have bigger flavor. Too. Right. So right. much like much like uh, overproof whiskey and things like that, it just has a bigger flavor, and I'm, I'm attracted to that. Well, um, you know, for me, it just depends on the application. If I'm out by the pool on a sunny day, uh, I want something lighter and crisper. You know, four percent, five percent. Um, but yeah, I, I I will admit I I enjoy the bigger beers. Being an IPA guy, if you if it starts going north of seven and a half, I start getting excited. You know? All right, yeah. <laughs> so, You're gonna really enjoy the ones that we brought today. Okay, yeah. good. I'm excited. Well, <laughs> well, we really enjoyed the last ones that you brought, and I have to say, uh, Michael, when after our last uh, uh, show together, which was what a year or so ago, of oh, nineteen, it was oh, it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, okay, so right. it's been that Back long. Back when we were doing these things. Since we had you on the show. Between then and now, I've noticed your beers are popping up everywhere. Yeah, appreciate yes. it, yeah. You have really... Seen them in Specs yeah, and, uh, yeah. and a bunch of other places. Yeah, yeah. Specs. I've seen them in, in some of the uh, grocery stores and stuff. Yep, Total Wine, Central Market. Including, what did there. I see the other the other day I passed by? I saw uh, uh, Heat Shields or for... Sissies. Sissies. Yeah. What a great name. What a great name. So did you guys team up with a distributing company, or are you doing this all on your own? That's all still self-distribution. That is... I mean, I don't want to give away your secrets, but you've really you've shown up in places you know there's so many you know great craft breweries around the area but that seems to be the tough nut to crack is how to get into you know the stores you know places like specs i think are pretty welcoming they're yeah. they're looking for Certainly the, more local the ability to find you know uh, to find a lot of choice for their customers and local mm -hmm. helps uh but man getting into you know central market and you know total wine is obviously a nationally based uh, right. company so getting into there I, I don't know how you've done it but congratulations my mm -hmm. That's off to you. Certainly appreciate I, I it. I guess I guess lots of phone calls and, and a, lot, a uh, lot of phone calls, a lot of footwork, <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of shaking hands, of and and kissing babies, and, and <laughs> lots of beer tasting, which is a good thing. Well, I don't so. know why they keep bringing the babies to the brewery, but we'll kiss. Them, you know? <laughs> yeah. We'll pour you a drink and we'll kiss your baby. That's that's, right. the, that's the motto of the brewery. <laughs> We're gonna get a shirt. Well, uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, well, seriously though, you guys have uh, and and one of the things I love about your packaging is your cans. Immediately, you know. That it's you guys because of the way that you've styled your, your packaging and stuff, and it's easy to, it's easy to kind of go. Oh, I don't think I've tried this. What what, what's that green one? I haven't tried right, that yeah. one. You know, so yeah. it's a, so it's 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 a very cool thing. Thanks so, for the feedback. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to trying uh, more of that stuff today. We also have uh, a list if we have time to get to it of the twenty two best gifts to get a beer lover. You know. Uh, my birthday well, will be coming up in a few right? months, so I thought this be, might be a good time to break out yeah, the, well, smoking saying, and the smoking and toasting uh, bottle <laughs> opener. Order. Sure, done sure. and done. Sure, that works. Uh, I guess we probably ought to put some of those up for sale on the uh, uh, on, on the website because people, mm, I think be people cool. would want them. People, yeah, that's a cool thing. I, I remember, I remember Bruce wanted to buy one and we didn't have them for sale, so I wound up just mailing him. <laughs> just mail them, yeah. <laughs> but that that's not something we could do on a large scale. So before that tends, you, to, that tends to start losing money pretty before quick. you go to the show notes and start recording. Yeah, we got to at least recoup the investment here. But we got to have money to buy beer a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it hard game. I do yeah. love these. <laughs> I do love these openers though because they're the one. You know, I've gotten over my career in radio. I've gotten a thousand of those little ones. Mm -hmm. 
and they all go into a drawer. You maybe open one beer with them, and then they go into a drawer, and eventually you clean out the drawer and throw them away because you've got too many. These, on the other hand, people love them. They keep them. They use them. They're, they're, uh, These are solid. Uh, yeah. yeah they, so, they, and the they nice work. thing about this, too, is the slimness of it. So if you're hanging around your house, you slip it in your back pocket, mm-hmm. and it just sits there just fine. And that's all what, day bartenders. And that's what bartenders do. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They, they're always reaching for the back pocket for those. Yeah. So. I'd definitely uh, give you tool. 5 $7 for this. Yeah. Right oh, right now. geez. That's pretty good. You already gave it to me, though. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you should ask. So maybe you can just leave some beer behind. Sure, yeah. There, there you go. We we'll, might drink it all. We'll call it a day. Uh, well, it's uh, it's been quite a week for me, Ian. I assume it has been for you, but I, I imagine there's not that many weeks that go by that you don't have the opportunity to smoke something interesting. I, I make right? that opportunity. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. It's something I make sure that happens you're, you're at that least kind of a, a few times a week. What you What'd you try this week? I went, uh, I went by Casa this morning. I went, to, uh, I went in the humidor and I thought, you know, I've been trying some newer stuff uh, recently. I decided to try something that's been around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I uh, ended up picking up a Tatuaje Black. Oh, nice. The, uh, Lance, the Petite Lancero, to be uh, exact. It's a 6x38 uh, Nicaraguan Puro. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm always a fan of Tatuaje. I don't think I've ever had a Tatuaje cigar that I didn't like. I mean, they're always really good. Pete Johnson's got uh, it going on. Yes. And... Um, and uh, this one in particular was just, you know, I haven't had a Lancero in a while either. So it's just kind of like I'm going to try some things that I haven't done in a little bit. Nice. Um, the appearance on this medium brown, kind of an oily, leathery uh, wrapper, silky to the touch, some veins in it. Mostly firm overall. The pre-late sniff on this was earth, barnyard leather, hints of mocha and coffee. Um, and uh, a little bit of kind of a gingerbread and a slight raisin, like right at the foot of it. Nice. Uh, a lot of sweetness in the in the uh, in the nose. The uh, prelate draw on this. Um, I used a uh, I used a clip. Uh, the draw was a little bit tight on it. That was the only thing I could complain about at this point. But the draw on it was dark chocolate, coffee, rich earth, brown sugar, and brownie this is before batter. Before you lit it, right? Yeah, yeah, leather and some overripe fruit kind of uh, uh, notes underlying there. Um, the initial light. Uh, Kind of a medium pepper blast. Not a huge one, but kind of a medium pepper blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then earth, leather, and toast. It, was, uh, it wasn't like a super complex initial light, um, but it wasn't very singular either. It, was, it had a little bit going on. The first third of this settled into a medium plus strength almost immediately. Uh, spicy, sweet, earthy experience. Underlying uh, seeds like, you know, like, um, like, like poppy caraway seed, seed, caraway, poppy seed kind of, yeah. those kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. just that seeds just in general have kind of that flavor. Uh, leather, dark fruit, interplay with pepper, earth, leather, wood. Apparently there's a lot of leather. A lot in of leather, yeah. <laughs> and brownie batter. I kept getting this sweet kind of brownie, brownie batter, batter kind wow. of thing going on. That's cool. And I, I, I wanted to call it mocha. But it would just—it just wasn't. It was a little, uh, it was a little, a little uh, sweeter than rounder yeah, and yeah. sweeter than that little baking uh, sp- spice kind of thing. Um, uh, Retro hail was peppery toast, uh, solid ash, perfect burn. By the mm. way, the burn on this thing was amazing. So you didn't have you didn't have the the tightness once you lit it. It it, it smoked just fine. No, I still had some tightness. It, it smoked okay. <laughs> it was a little tight. Yeah. Uh, by the second third of this, uh, I, I even wrote down here. Draw lightens up a little bit after rolling a cigar between my fingers to try mm-hmm. and alleviate some of the tightness in it. It, it. it lightened up to about a medium draw, which was okay. It wasn't a real tight draw after that, so Good. it smoked pretty nice. Um, 
Uh, I did have to correct it a little bit like that. Uh, the uh, pepper, toast, cedar, cedar and uh, leather balanced by brownie sweetness and a dark fruit kind of flavor in the background uh, was really nice. The retro hail in the first third, or second third of this was uh, peppery toast, cedar, and those seeds again were in there. Kind mm-hmm. of, it's, it's it's interesting. The seeds, uh, I want to say it has a seedy. I almost put it has a seedy flavor, but that kind of gives you the <laughs> yeah, wrong yeah, impression. It doesn't right? necessarily sound too good. Yeah, yeah. it's the wrong kind of seedy. But um, it's almost a nuttiness, but it's not quite. It's it's you know there's right. a difference. You know, right? I got you. Um, the uh, last third of the strength, strength ramps up to a full. This was definitely a full-flavored cigar at the last third of this. Uh, seeds, toast, brownies are augmented by a little saltiness in, the, in there, a little salty spice kind of going on in there. It was interesting that that just kind of popped up. I was not expecting that. Uh, earthy and leathery flavors move in and out of the foreground. Pepper is also more present. Solid ash, perfect burn. I will tell you, though, that right there between the uh, second third and the third third, I did drop the entire ash on me, which was pretty so long. Was it two thirds of the cigar's ash? No, no. So each each ash lasted almost a third of the cigar, okay. and that's, that's a pretty, pretty long good, yeah. ash considering it was well, a, uh, what a, by a thirty eight. And also, this is a, a Lancero, right? Right. So, so, so it's a I think it's harder for those ashes to hold right. together than something a little bit thicker. So, so I dro- I did drop that on me. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> <laughs> but you Man, wore a gray perfect, shirt. So perfect burn, though. If, yeah, if you look at the pictures, though, the burn down to the very bottom is just laser tight That's all the way awesome. down. It's really nice. Um, the price to quality, this is an $8.55 cigar, so not a cheap cigar and not a real big cigar, but it did smoke oh, right at an hour. So that's uh, not too bad for at a, that price. Yeah, so. for a 6 by 38 it's pretty nice, so it's a slow-smoking cigar. It didn't want you to smoke it fast. If you tried to smoke it a little too hot, it would get just a touch of harshness to it. Right. So, so you slow down you a little bit, and then, easy, yeah, yeah, I wanted you to take it easy on it. Uh, this is classic Tatsuya construction and complexity shining through on this. Uh, I gave it a solid 5 at 8 to nine dollars for $9. a cigar and uh nice. an absolutely fantastic cigar try it if you want something bigger and complex but if you're uh if you're a newbie and you think to yourself i want to try something full this one might be a little much on the peppery side okay yeah and uh, one of the things lanteros will often have a the flavors will be really concentrated right so, so if, if it's a heavier bodied cigar if it's a medium to full or a full it's it's going to pack a little bit of a punch yeah. because everything's so mm. you know so close together in there and there's... yeah the more wrapper to filler ratio exactly is, is the exactly. is the thing so, on that but sounds like it was good it's good cigar Tatuaje very seldom disappoints yeah and it's one of those companies that uh, I could pretty much grab anything they make and enjoy it well speaking of very seldom disappoints I went uh, in a direction this week that I haven't done in a while at least not. To talk about on the show. Did, did you smoke an AJ Fernandez? I did. I smoked an AJ Fernandez cigar. <laughs> but it's been like months since I uh, talked about an, an AJ cigar on here. You're such and a fanboy. I, I really am. I smoked the AJ Fernandez San Lotano Oval Robusto. Oh, yeah. I've and this that. is not one of the. I have some AJs that are kind of in my regular rotation that mm-hmm. I buy a lot. This is this is not one that I smoke, have smoked a lot of. I've smoked one before, but it's been a while. Uh, so it was a Robusto, beautiful. Beautiful, light brown wrapper, a slight box press, but it's not 
it's not pressed square. The reason they call it oval is because the cigar actually has right. a kind of an oval shape. So when you look at it, it looks sort of box pressed, but it's not round. It's more like, of a soft box right. press kind yeah. of. Yeah, and, and so it really does have that sort of oval shape. AJ says that the uh, San Latano name was taken from his family's now defunct cigar business in Cuba. Hmm. And so when he, AJ got started basically blending cigars for all these other uh, companies. Yeah. And the first, and he still does that, by the way, although he does it for bigger companies now because mm-hmm. he's uh, something of a hotshot. But uh, the uh, first line that he released on his own was the San Latano line. So he resurrected the family name and uh, and put these together. The the San Latano line, which I've, I have those on a fairly regular basis, came first, and then the oval was an addition to this. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, a number of different sizes in the oval. Again, I had the Robusto pre-light on it, was rich, uh, earth uh, leather and a little bit of touch of dried fruit, which I uh, I'm always a little surprised if I get that on the pre-light. Usually mm-hmm. that's something more likely to show up once you've got the cigar lit and going. Uh, the cigar features a Habano 2000 wrapper with a Nicaraguan binder and Honduran and Nicaraguan uh, filler tobaccos. As I uh, have you know mentioned, I am something of an H.A. fanboy. I've tried just about everything he makes. Uh, so I can tell you that the San Latino Oval has definitely got a different flavor profile than uh, some of the other things that he has created. Not only from the rest of the San Latano line, but also from AJ's other stuff. Uh, deep earth notes, once the pepper blast settled down, I did get a little you know, intense uh, pepper on the first light. Um, but then as it settled down, uh, earth, coffee, some chocolate, and then still pepper, but not as peppery as some of the other AJs I've smoked. I had a New World the other day, mm-hmm. and that baby is peppery. Oh, yeah. It's it's nice and full. Um, as with most of his cigars, I found it to be very nicely complex. Dried fruit notes, I decided it was probably like dried cherry was probably what I was identifying there. Um, uh, that emerged as I got to the second third of the cigar. Nice balance between medium and full, kind of my sweet spot for a cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, lots of billowy smoke for a you know for a little robusto. This thing put out nice. a nice volume of, of uh, smoke. Second, third, buttery toast uh, with more dried fruit and coffee. The final third, oaky flavors kind of joined the party. The chocolate returned and the dried fruit continued all the way through to the end of the cigar. Uh, it stayed complex with changing flavors all the way through. The burn on this wasn't razor straight, but every time it would go a little crooked, it kind of corrected Just itself. Kind of I didn't have to do any, uh, uh, you know, any touch up to it, so that was nice. Uh, didn't need uh, didn't need attending at all. Great construction overall, with a nice ash and big smoke volume. Volumes all the way to the end. The Oval Robusto is a seven to eight dollar mm-hmm. cigar for a Robusto. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more expensive than some of the other things in AJ's line, which I can sometimes find a little cheaper. Or at that price, maybe you get a bigger cigar. Uh, I got to tell you though, I would have been thrilled at ten dollars. Wow, thrilled! And I was tempted to give it a seven, but I'm going to take off a point just because I'm such a fanboy. <laughs> that I have a tendency to get, you know, maybe a little, a little excited. So uh, I tend to love everything AJ. So price to quality, I'm going to give it a solid six. That's awesome. Uh, if it'd been a couple bucks more, it'd have been totally worth it. Uh, so I will, uh, I will wave the AJ flag and continue to be a fan. And what's interesting, Ian, you and I met 
AJ, yeah. although he does not speak English. So there was a another guy from his company mm-hmm. there that it was, was translating. Yeah. We met him at Stogie's when he was doing a, uh, a, 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 a I think it was the... Um, it was the new, was it the New World, new World Broadleaf? Release, it was yeah. New World Broadleaf that he was debuting. And I met him then, and to be honest, I'd smoked some of his cigars at that time, but the fanboy thing didn't develop until later. And that's, well, that that's was probably a, that good, because I would have embarrassed myself. That was know? about a year or year and a half before he started really, really being everywhere in the right, industry right. like it he is Right, before now. he started doing right. stuff for Monte Cristo and, and uh, Romeo and Julieta and all the other ones, that uh, H. Upman and all the other ones that he does so uh so i i will i will say he's as consistent as anybody out there uh if not more so so big uh, big ups to aj um all right we got a lot to do today um we have uh lots of beers to taste michael duckworth is here from true anomaly and he's brought some things although i don't think it's where we're going to start but he has brought some things that are barrel aged in several different kinds of barrels so i'm looking forward to sure, yeah. yeah looking uh, forward to trying this those are some lovely descriptions by the way from, <coughs> oh, from both you guys i hope we i hope we cigars? get the same level of intensity throughout the rest of the show this well is, this is we we usually kind of like spend all of that in the first segment okay. and, then, and then in, in <laughs> number two we're like beer good mm. <laughs> but we'll, we'll do our best uh, all right it's smoking and toasting it's show number one uh, i'm sorry number 241 and real Ooh. quick by the way before we uh, before we take a break just super big thanks to our guest last week, Greg Duxakis from Plantation Rum. Man, he's always so and, fun. Uh, and our mixologist and smoking and toasting cocktail ex- expert, Chris Morris, who will be back in about a month to do something we've talked about for more than two years and we're finally going to actually do, which is the great smoking and toasting martini challenge, nice. where we have someone who is a, a, a specialist in the gin martini mm-hmm. and someone who's a specialist in the vodka martini to make us the very best representation of each of those, although I have a feeling I already know which ones you and I are going to like the best because <laughs> that's just how things roll. But uh, anyway, we're looking forward to that. That'll be a fun show. And any show where we're doing martinis has a tendency to get a little uh, wacky by the end. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, drinking news, uh, some beer sampling. and Oh, I didn't mention this, but uh, I brought along a bottle of Brugal 1888 Doblemente. Añe- it's not Añejo. It's Añejado. Dominican rum, which I think is just another fancy way of saying añejo. Okay, but it's, uh, I don't know what that uh, means. Añejado is what it says. Uh, but it is a Brugal 1888 uh, Dominican rum from the DR, and so we'll be tasting that on the program as well. And uh, once again, Ian, I've gone to the trouble of uh, opening up the wax oh making sure i don't have to thing, yeah. so that you won't have you to probably struggle. cleared the neck of it too I, so i, I did, don't you know so, so it makes it easier to pour yeah, yeah. Uh, which i think you know that way you're less likely to spill anything and, and you know <laughs> this is this is what you do for friends right okay yeah. you know i feel i feel the love <laughs> all right we'll get to that coming up it's smoking a toast and show number 241 we'll be right back with michael Duckworth. Welcome 
back. It is smoking and toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 241, and we are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. New shirts have uh, started to show up for uh, the summer season, including the one that says vaccinated, caffeinated, and ready to smoke. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely want one of those. So, um, so we are uh, excited to be in the studio this week with Michael Duckworth from True Anomaly Brewing. We're going to be trying some of his wares here in just a moment, and something different because we were very IPA oriented the last time right. we were here, uh, and now we're now we're talking about some good barrel aged stuff. So we'll get to we'll get to that in just a moment. A new study has found that even though beer drinking in general has gone down somewhat, craft beer drinking has gone up, and even more specifically, craft beers with higher alcohol content are, uh, yeah. It's according to a, a new study from the University of Pittsburgh. By the way, why didn't they do studies like this when I was in college? Right. That would have been so interesting, right? <laughs> uh, instead, we did, like, really boring stuff about, you know, dirt mites and stuff like that. It was not, it was not, it was not fun. Uh, at Cole County Brewing in Eisenberg, uh, uh, owner Mike Kutchman said people like craft beer not necessarily for the high alcohol contents, this sounds like what you were saying, mm. but for its quality. And they like a higher quality beer with handcrafted local ingredients. Uh, they, he talks about the fact that his beers are farm to table, so people are more interested in that as opposed to mass-produced uh, kind of stuff. How difficult is it to source your ingredients, uh, Michael, from, you know, local or regional places. Can you get things, or do you have to go, you know, we need the, uh, uh, you know, the crazy new hops that's only being grown in the Pacific Northwest or whatever? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, some of it is varietal dependent, especially when you look at hops. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like wine or any kind of, you know, varietal there, you're going to get the hop that's from the area, and it's going to attribute a lot more of the qualities from that terroir region, right? So Mm -hmm. those you do get a little bit more limited on uh, the American side of the hops. Um, Again, the region that we're in here in the, you know, south, southeast isn't fruitful for a lot of, um, you know, hop characteristics that we're looking for is something a little more bright, zesty, those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. There are a number of hops that do well, Cascade, Columbus, those kinds of things, but, you know, those are pretty uh, Mm widely available. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's nice to get local when we can get local, and I would say the number of supply in general are definitely going up. So we're able to source a little bit more locally on more things. Grain particularly is one that is a little bit more universal. We get, um, you know, from a main grain supplier, but we are also able to, you know, supplement that with some local suppliers some local as well. Yeah. Is, is hops, with the explosion of craft beer across the past, you know, five to ten years, and with the uh, much more heavily hopped uh, varieties that have been produced, are hops getting hard to find or have the farmers kind of kept up with the demand no absolutely they're they're more difficult to find and uh again just like you know a, a vineyard you know it takes years and years of cultivation to actually get the the production right from that so you know it's a five six year uh process you know turnaround lead to actually take a a rhizome or, or an actual you know bud of the plant and then grow that into a vine that's actually producing mm-hmm. so uh so you know it's long lead and because of that and the popularity of the hops you say you can't meet the demand you know, overnight. Right. So those hops that, you know, um, are really gaining popularity, you know, end up getting supplemented with other hops or blends or different things mm-hmm. that come in to help support that. But absolutely, it's a tough market out there, you I know, <laughs> for sure. And uh, any kind of new entrant 
you know, we're only a few years old now, but in that time frame, we've been able to, you know, elbow our way up the food chain a little bit. But, you know, there's just more and more entrants coming in that are hungry for sure. you know, the same kind of things. I've, I have a question because uh, I've done this in my kitchen where sometimes I just look in my fridge and go, okay, this is what's available. Mm-hmm. And I've made some really great meals out of that. And I've made some duds too. Do you end up having uh, some of that process go through? Like, this is, I can't get what I really, really want, but this is what I can get. Sure. I think we do it probably a little opposite. We see what we can get in the market when it's available. And, and then, then and, and kind of similar to your price value position, right? And saying, all right, mm-hmm. you know, here's some hops like Halatar Blanc or Nelson Salvin or something that's a little more rare. Um, is it has a great expression in some of the beers we've done. It's on the market, spot market. Let's pick it up now. I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I definitely we'll feel like it out. Do you we have, can work this into a beer in the next you, six if months. If you or buy, so. say, for instance, something like that, do you do you have a general idea what kind of uh, beers you might make with that, or is that just a okay? We're going to put that in a vault for a minute and then think about it. What, yeah, for what, the most part, we it? we have a good idea where yeah. that might go. Again, you know, we're uh, really focused on a lot of. Belgium, French, Saison-style beers uh-huh. that lend themselves to a certain... I love that. The uh, last time I was at your place, I tried... Uh, you had a couple Belgian uh, styles there that were fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. We generally have a pretty wide array of Belgian, French, Saison mm-hmm. kind of characteristic beers, Belgians especially. Belgian um, with some funk to it, and I really, yeah, really yeah, liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. yeah, I didn't bring you any funk today. Yeah, uh, so you're going to have to no, come back okay. and check that's us okay. out. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, we, you know, the market's uh, ever-evolving. Uh, we're getting more interesting hops as well, and we're getting different adjuncts, you know, people are bringing to the table to, you know, play around with and some of our fruited beers or different things that, you know, go off off the beaten path Do you still bit. do uh, very small batches when you get something brand new and you do, like, a very – like like small to me is like five gallons or ten gallons, but I don't know what small to you is. But do you do small batches to just try stuff and go, okay, we can do something bigger with this? Right. Yeah, we still have a pilot system. We run a lot of fun things off of that, um, and really kind of focus as a taproom exclusive release. Right, right. And then you know if it gains popularity there, then we'll kind of turn that. And that's actually what we did largely for our whole first year was you right. know 100 percent of the taproom doing a lot of R and D. A lot of tweaking of recipes. I do love uh, the the tap room exclusive thing. Uh, on on one hand, it can be a little annoying the fact that you find a beer that you really love and the only place you can get it is there, yeah. and then it's only there for like a limited time. Right. But that's kind of a beauty to it as well. Well, sure, like, because when I go to, to experience a, it, when I go to the tap room, the the first thing I order is not going to be something that I've already been able to buy at the store. I'm going to look for, uh, you know, something that I haven't tried, something mm-hmm. right, on, right. something on that chalkboard. Or, I, I'm or, always uh, the what's new and interesting. Board. I want yeah. to try those. Yeah, yeah. it's nice yeah. to have a draw. You yeah. know, yeah. if you get something that you know you're not going to find elsewhere, why, one, why else are you coming to the tap room? You know? one, <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, hang out one, there. One more hop question. Um, you know that uh, grain wheat has got a, a pretty decent shelf life. It can be stored for a while. What what about hops? How long are hops good after you, after they've been harvested? You've bought them, brought them into your place. Do do hops keep at all, or do they have an expiration date? So they do. I mean, we keep them uh, in the freezer, deep freeze, so okay. uh, kind of separate from you know our, our regular refrigerated area, unless we know that you know they're going to be readily used in the next you know two to four weeks, right. kind of just in time inventory stuff. There's and things the- that we don't know, we can keep around you know three six months plus, especially if they're unopened, if they're you know freeze dried, vacuumed, you know, and come in that way and have been. In, you know, in that kind of storage for a prolonged period, then they're going to hold a little longer. Um, so, you know, and, and quite frankly, uh, going on the other end, there's sometimes uh, we experiment with actually using some aged tops. Mm, uh, so using that in kind of the wild, funky beers that mm-hmm. lend itself a little bit of a different characteristic. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a, a farming community. 
a small town a little south of San Antonio. And uh, as a kid, before I was old enough to get a job, you know, sacking groceries or whatever, uh, I worked in the in the fields doing uh, ir- irrigation, doing irrigating crops, moving the pipe and, and stuff to the next over. But I would have become really interested in agriculture if they'd been growing like hops and stuff. We were we were irrigating peanuts, and I like peanuts. Well, as, less I like peanuts as well as the next guy, but it doesn't have the same romance to it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. If we'd just been doing hops and and uh, maybe barley, that'd have been yeah, that'd yeah. been kind of interesting. Yeah. Have you seen hops grow in the field? They're, yes, they're amazing. I mean, it, you know, it's they beautiful. climb 10, yeah. 12, 15 feet up. It, it's beautiful. It actually reminds me a little bit of of uh, the cannabis with the buds. Oh, yeah, you right, know, right. same got, basic. You got the same uh, kind of annoying. Uh, yeah, yeah. It got the same kind of uh, kind of vibe to it. Well, um, well, you have uh, you have brought out a tart one for us here. Is that where we're starting? Yeah, I think we're going to start there. And uh, this is the lightest one I brought. It's ten percent. Oh. So uh, <laughs> see, I so, love this see, guy. Already. Yeah, you're speaking Ian's language. You, yeah, so, you already uh, went him over. So this one's named uh, Starport Jamboree. Um, I always have to give you guys a little background. You know, we're the NASA nerds, you're all NASA right? Guys. So yeah, we got yeah. so uh, Starport is actually. Uh, uh, Little double and tundra, as far as the name goes here for us, and and the use of it in the uh, the beer. Um, so it's a port, so that's the port part, right? Starport. Starport is actually the uh, facility at Johnson Space Center. So there is a thing actually called Starport. Yeah, there it's not is. just a sci-fi thing. No, yeah, okay. there's a Starport at Johnson Space Center. Uh, that's where they do a lot of their outreach. That's where they do a lot of their uh, merchandising mm-hmm. um, and uh, and content creation for. Uh, oh, there we go. Oh, that sounded. That's uh, really for promotion. Good. So, um, so this is a, a golden strong base beer that was aged for about eighteen months in these uh, these port barrels. This is part of our occasion beer series. So, uh, so I mean, with the strong ABV there and the amount of time it takes to actually bring to market, we kind of promote this as as, as an occasion. You know, this, an, is, right, right. this is a beer you're going to buy. You're going to hold on to it. Maybe a special occasion comes up. You know, maybe it's just been a long day. And so, <laughs> these, will these also uh, age well. Those will age very well. So everything that we're trying today, uh, for the most part, is going to uh, have, a, have a pretty long shelf life. Uh, we'll actually continue to uh, improve a little bit, um, uh, you know, at first taste, taste-wise and, um, you know, for some time to come. So this one was a- aged in uh, port barrels, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so. and we have a uh, sister beer to this. This is the cognac that we're going to try uh, next. All right. We'll so pass let's, these yeah, let's pass these around. Yes. Slide those around mm-hmm. the table. Look at that. There it smells go. so Ian, good. I saw your it reaction smells. actually just after you popped the top on the bottle. It's and you interesting got a whiff of it. because I get this huge, like, fruity Ooh. flavor and then a little bit of honey kind of almost. Well, I would say on and the then nose. And that tart. On mm. the nose, it almost makes me think of a wild ale. It's yep. got a little of that. Uh, so just a touch of a kind of funk background, yes, little yes. Uh, kind of. Farmhousey leather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's mainly from the oak there. Um, just the the port, I mean, um, wow. in those uh, those oak barrels. There's right? a really really beautiful dryness to there this. Sure without, is without almost without like being, a, almost like a very dry champagne. Right, but know? without being like distracting either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So both of these beers were um, are uh, actually done as a uh, Belgian brut. So Belgian brut is done as more of a mm-hmm. traditional kind of the closest we could get to a champagne of brutes. That's why it's mm-hmm. such a high ABV. Right. Uh, French oak, I believe, for the the port barrels themselves uh, after you know uh, or from their previous port entry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know the port manufacturer. I will tell you that we got a, uh, a good amount of port um, remaining in the casks mm. uh, when they were shipped in. <laughs> so we've, you know, we probably got two liters of this stuff nice. uh, that's <laughs> very robust. So how much of this will you make uh, for one of the Occasion Series beers? Yeah, so here we have about 60 cases. Okay. And we have the same for its sister beer, the, the uh, um, cognac number there. So very small batch, if you, you will. Re- did you release those two at the same time? We're releasing them in the next couple weeks. Okay, so, so you guys are something... getting a little sneak peek. So this, nice. But this is something we will be able to find at uh, Specs and Total Wine and places like that? Yeah, so I think we'll have a, a limited release to uh, Specs for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Total Wine, not 100%, maybe Central Market as well, um, T&Q, some of the uh, smaller retail blended mm-hmm. kind of I just want to point out on the on the palate, the, uh, uh, the tartness in this, I mean, it just tastes like the peel of a grape. Mm-hmm. Like it's so right that that right next to the skin uh, that that uh, it's the skin of oh, that that fleshy yeah mm-hmm. it's really really fleshy it's not the pulpy parts that it, you it's know really nice I have been uh, less enthusiastic lately about sours uh, because some of the fruited sours that I've got it just it, it I'm gonna say this I know some people are gonna like take issue with this it almost feels like they're trying too hard to be sour okay. <laughs> You, oh, you, no, no. You, you know what, you know what yeah, I'm yeah. getting at, though? This, though, the tartness to it just feels so natural and, and easy, and it doesn't, like, it doesn't, like, bowl you over with sourness. It just, uh, I don't feel like I need to I go think, take an antacid after I, sure, uh, yeah, after yeah, yeah. I, I drink this. I think know? that sour beers are going through their own renaissance, kind of like IPAs did. Where I think it so, takes, yeah. It takes people to go, hey, I do like this style, and then it grows in popularity, and mm. then you have to have people that push the boundaries of it. You know, uh, and and that happened very severely with IPAs, where people were pushing the boundaries so hard. You had a beer that would basically, yeah, you know, you can you can barely drink because it just tastes like you're chewing pine cones. Yeah, but right. I mean, you it's almost expect to hear yeah. the pine cone rattling yeah, around <laughs> in the in the can. You know? I'd uh, I'd probably agree with that. Say our uh, sours in general are uh, really kind of going in every direction right. because people mm-hmm. are exploring being a lot of the directions. With, right? Right. So right. IPA in general, you're right, you had 100 IBU, whatever, and, and then I, you had Brute IPAs actually as another right. one that right. and real low ABV but still real hot for But there's also different styles of sours too, right. and, mm-hmm. and, that, uh, and that makes a big difference because, uh, like, for instance, um, like the Berliner Weiss is is a base style of right. beer that see, has some tartness. That's to a sour it. that I love. And you can if, go if in that direction. Or you can yeah. go more like a like a like, like the lambics a lot of times, or mm-hmm. um, uh, what's what's the other one I'm thinking of is. Um, we have Frambois, Lambic. Uh, they're right. both technically Lambic kind of base yeah, styles. Yeah. But uh, the uh, Creek is the uh, kind of more cherry version. Mm-hmm. So we have a version of a Creek and a Frambois coming out in the uh, late August, September time frame. I will say this, though. I really applaud the experimentation. That was the cool thing about when IPAs sort of blew up. They weren't all good. But by the, by the breweries trying all these different sort of uh, expressions of the IPA and the pale ale style... We wound up, I think, getting getting to some different things within that family that we wouldn't have gotten to mm. if it hadn't been for all this experimentation. I mean, if you are a person who kind of generally likes IPAs but you don't like the bitter, there are so many IPAs now that are hazy or juicy enough that it really kind of quells that I just, bitter oh, yeah. at the end I, of I it. I want to give a and shout you, out, you can though. find them. Like, when it comes to the IPA stuff, 
I mean, Arrogant Bastard figured it out early. They went extreme and they yes. made an incredibly oh, yeah. good right. beer. And oh, yeah. stone, like right off the bat. And stone, and stone yeah. if you think about it, I mean, their IPAs are big and they are a little bitter. How many IPAs do you have? And that's what they say, right? Stone, Arrogant yeah. Bastard said, hey, yeah. you read the back of the bottle. I remember this when yeah. I was in you know, college. <laughs> you're not worthy. Right? Yeah, you're not worthy. Get <laughs> so, out of here. And you're Bastard. probably going to think this is awful. So and that's Arrogant okay. Bastard actually is stone, right? That's a that's stone. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. So those guys, yeah, they. They got it figured out. So, uh, how many uh, IPAs do you guys currently have on your uh, tap? Uh, we have three pretty consistent year-round IPAs at so this core, point. Core yeah, IPAs we have a West Coast, an American IPA, a little juicier to its West Coast cousin there, and then uh, we have a, a hazy, uh, you know, New England right. style IPA. I love that hazy one. That's yeah. just that's, yeah, just, that's yeah. called Go Flight. Um, Go Flight. Yeah, people, just, and again, you know, good JC connection there. And, yeah, I love you know, it. We've, I love it. Uh, and you know, it makes sense. I mean, look, we're we're based in Houston. We're very proud of the uh, craft brewery scene in Houston. But you guys have almost embraced Houstonness in the largest way with your uh, uh, with your connection to NASA and the whole uh, the whole space. Yeah, thing. it's been really it. cool, honestly. And we've it. had a lot of fun. We've you know, I mean, not to you know flood our own boat a little, but you know, we've uh, because of that had a really cool draw with flight directors, astronauts, yeah, different people come sure. in that. And quite honestly. You know, if we didn't know who they were, most people probably wouldn't. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right, right. But you're yeah. space geeks, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure these astronauts go walk into, you know, 100 different restaurants nobody ever knows, yeah. you know, for the most part. But when they walk into our place, you know, they're We're famous. Like, <laughs> right, All right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of a big deal for us. So that's really fun. I, I, I love like this beer for how interesting and complex it really the flavor is, is, isn't it? This is, this is one, you know, we talk about this a lot, and, and I love that you called it an occasion beer, uh, because this... These are the beers that I kind of save mm -hmm. for when somebody comes over. You want to share this beer sure, with yeah. somebody. You want to talk about it, talk about the flavors that you're getting. It's not just necessarily what you're going to open up on a Saturday afternoon and, and just uh, you know drink the whole thing yourself. It's, it's more about the conversation, the exploration of, of mm -hmm. what it is, and the story behind it. Starport Jamboree. This is also pretty, uh, pretty highly carbonated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got and, and but not too much. And it's funny because you know, in, in general, since I generally like more maltier beers, lower carbonation is what I generally go for. But there are certain uh, uh, mm. sours that the high carbonation really makes it dance on your tongue. It's, yeah, it's the, interesting. Is that is that something you very consciously put a very exact amount for the beer? Too much. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We have uh, <laughs> like that's a level of geekdom that most people oh, would never. Yeah, consider, I, it would surprise yeah. you how many uh, carbonation conversations we have. Honestly, <laughs> it's, a, it's a daily, if not weekly, discussion. Well, on. I, I can tell you that uh, in my experience, nothing ruins a promising IPA like too much carbonation. It it focuses your palate, your tongue. On the bubbles and not on the flavors no. that mm -hmm, are in no. there, and I've had, uh, you know, I've had several of those in the last several months that I like the taste, but the carbonation keeps me from being able to. If they would just pull it back pull just it down a, a little touch, bit, yeah. I would like it better. And then there's other beers that you, you like the higher carbonation. This to me is balanced perfectly. It it dances on the tongue. Yeah. It enhances that uh, that little funky flavor a little sure. bit, and you get you get that that on the finish that is just uh, really wonderful. And then the other thing, I, for these uh, in particular and for everything that we're having today, I think, um, maybe with the exception of the stout, uh, these were bottle conditioned. Okay. So uh, when you bottle condition, you definitely, 
generally get a little bit of a kind of finer uh, carbonation mm-hmm. from and that. Smaller so bubbles, right? Smaller bubbles, right. So uh, it does uh, tend to kind of dance off the tongue a little bit differently. You are able to it. absorb that. Seems like a mo- little bit more of a smooth, refined, not like nitrogen level, right? Where, yeah. you know, that's like silky. You but know, it's a kinda, little more right. of a buzz on the tongue versus, yeah. versus right, like a pop. Versus, right? yeah. yeah. In a, in a very, very good way. Yeah. Well, this is, what will this retail for? Uh, that's to be about 16 not bad. Nice. Not bad. Right. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and do a little more tasting. In fact, I know you brought this as almost more of a, uh, a palate cleanser. I did. Uh, but in yeah, the next we'll segment, we'll be uh, talking about this Mexican-style lager scout. This is also just about to come out. Is that right? It actually just came out this past week. Oh, yeah. Exciting. All right. Nice. So we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. Plus, we got rum to taste Ooh. and more barrel-aged <laughs> True Anomaly beers. It's smoking and Toasting. It's smoking and toasting. Show number 241. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, we will talk about the best Irish whiskeys based on the uh, uh, news that has been released from the International Wine and Spirits Competition. We'll get to that. We'll get to drinking news, and uh, we'll get to uh, maybe even some gifts for a beer lover. But right now... Oh, see, that was so well done. Nice. So well done. I even you got know, a little bit... A little on bit the on the guitar, <laughs> yeah, on the ukulele, yeah. That's uh, that's that's all right. Um, so, Michael, you mentioned that this just came out. This is Scout, a Mexican style lager, and I've already taken a little taste of this, and I have to tell you, I'm absolutely, I'm very impressed. I I really love this style of beer, but I find that so many of the ones I try, I'm just not. Crazy I am about. not a fan of Mexican style lagers in general. Yeah, like I, I just, I think they're, I think they're generally uh, uh, overly bitter with well, not enough flavor to back up the bitterness, and and I don't put salt or lime in my in your beers. Yes, in right. my beers yeah. because I figure uh, that's. I, that's like trying to fix something that's broken. Well, I will tell you <laughs> to me. Now, it's not how the chef serves. I haven't tried this. I see you're doing yeah. research already. Yeah, I, I, I tried but, this actually before the But I feel like this is began. a hard style to make a really good beer. And lagers in general are a little harder to make a really nice flavored beer because uh, they're just not as big. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. And we're not traditionally a lager house. You know, This is something we've moved into uh, more consistently here in 2020. Uh, and now we are working at having a... Uh, Rotating lager, uh, you know, seasonal. Um, so here for the summer in Texas. Will, will this uh, be a seasonal? Or it will, will be. You know, okay. this will be a seasonal. So we'll have, uh, like I said, just came out uh, here this past week. We'll have it for the next uh, about two months or so. And then we're going to move into, uh, you know, a, more, a little more full-bodied. Uh, I believe it's uh, Redstone or Titan. I can't remember. Um, so this one is uh, just a very. This is about as light as as we'll. It is very light. Make yeah. something. <laughs> it's uh, about four and a half percent. Very crisp. Very easy drinking. It is a summertime kind of replacement mm-hmm. beverage. So I'm going to say a couple things about this. First off, it is light and crisp, but it's light and crisp like a uh, like a green apple kind of mm-hmm. crisp mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it also is very malty compared to any Mexican lager I've yes. ever tried. So that immediately. 
puts me onto this is I like this. This tastes oh, this tastes really that. good. Don't BS me now. No, Ian. no, for real. No. Yeah, Ian likes um, everything. Uh, if you, all, all you have to do is listen to the show. We get accused of that occasionally of saying we like everything. But the reality is. Most of the stuff we bring onto the show is stuff we're thinking we're going to like. But there there have been some things. There's been some things you haven't liked, some things I haven't liked. Uh, but what I will say about this is I, I really love Mexican lager as a style. I like it. But I would say about half of the ones I taste, I don't go back to. Uh, and it, it for, and I, I love Tex-Mex food, which we can get great Tex-Mex here in, in Houston, Texas, um, is really probably my very favorite kind of thing to eat. I, I just I could eat it every day if I, <laughs> if I was uh, you know so inclined. Um, and these kind of beers are great with Tex-Mex food. But what I don't like is the finish on about half of the ones that, that mm-hmm. I try. You know, um, thinking about some of the some of the macros, uh, uh, Corona. I, I I'm not a big fan of the finish on Corona. Uh, Dos Equis is the same way. I will drink a Tecate because the finish is lighter on it. <laughs> but um, I have a question for you. This finish, though, is malty. I just wanted to finish saying that. And that makes it it's round, so it's a rounder much finish. more delicious. It's a very, it's it's a very, I mean, that's yeah. what we kind of aimed for here. Very yeah. round, easy drinking, obviously. Yeah, I, uh, I patio like beer. I like uh, it we, very much. So this uses about uh, 10% corn in the grist. Uh, so very light. That's what helps kind of bring that lightness of body to it. But it's mm-hmm. not enough to really... And this is what I actually don't like because I'm, I'm actually pretty similar with you, Cruz. That I, I'm actually not a huge fan of a lot of, of Mexican style light lagers, uh, mainly because I think it has a little bit more of a kind of vegetal character mm-hmm. to it. Yes, and that comes from kind of the corn or rice, whatever else you might be putting in there, that um, detracts for me. So we were very, uh, you know, sensitive about that character. I love it, and tried to get something that we would all enjoy, kind of around the table, and be able to have, you know, a, a multitude of. That's kind of the concept, you a, right? You had a question. Yes, sir. Oh, no, I was going to point out when you were talking about the Mexican-style lagers, do you, uh, when you drink tequila, do you mm-hmm. lick salt and then put lime in your Absolutely mouth? Absolutely not, no. Why would you do that with beer? Well, mm. like, that's just a question out there. I'm I, just putting it I, out there. I, I'm sure. not. Well, let me add, with mezcal, do you put a little ice? Uh, ice, I think, is... Just, is, just dumb it down a little. Well, cut, mezcal cut yeah, is, not, is smoky, and the is. ice can help make that a little ice a little easier to drink. Will damp sure, down yeah. the smoke a little bit mm-hmm. because it because smoke is a warmer flavor, right. and ice will mask a little bit of that cold mask that a little bit. But this is really but good. like <laughs> but I'm always really amazed like by people who like they buy a beer and then they dump a bunch of salt and lime into it. It's just to me that's like, why don't you just have a margarita. Right. I well, mean, I will say I don't. I don't. We, mind. Have, we have a goza. I know you like those sours. That Berliner Weiss. Like like we do add sea too. salt and coriander. That, but that's how the chef made it. So okay. then, you, well, then see, it's good. But, but you don't different. add salt right. when you drink that's it. That's different. No. Like, uh, how would you done. feel? How would you feel if you handed me a steak and before I even tried it, I just oh, I'd be upset. Dump some A one or no, HB on it. You know, no. That's like, the we're going to start it with some ketchup. That's the last steak I would make you. Okay, so, but that's what people do with. With Mexican lagers all the time, and I think the reason people love this uh, Dos Equis, which I think is not good, like I don't, I'm not a fan of Dos Equis at all. Right. Um, as far as the way their beer tastes, it's just not. I don't have anything personally against them. I just don't like their beer. But uh, but before they even try the beer, they're dumping salt and lime. Well, <laughs> I, like, I will say like, this: if I'm somewhere and they ha- and what they have to drink is Corona, like you're at somebody's house and that's the beer they've got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I will put the the lime in it for two reasons. One is because I think the lime helps to curb a little bit of that flavor and Corona that I'm not crazy about. 
And the second is because I, I know how to do that thing where you drop the lime mm-hmm. in, you hold the bottle with your thumb, you turn it upside down, and the lime, lime floats uh, up to the bottom, which is my way of telling people, yes, I went to college. Mm. You know, <laughs> so, Declarative uh, statement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but I find the lime like helps a little bit there. So I will... I, I won't ever choose Corona, but if I'm someplace and that's what they've got, uh, I really will, helps I will choke float it down. a lime. It helps. <laughs> my, my best defense is pull it directly out of the ice, drink it fast. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that works. yeah I, I love these places that uh, you know have it colder than cold. Right. Thirty degrees, yeah. you can't taste it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. So yeah. anyway, we brought this one out as a short segment, so we'll uh, we'll get this wrapped up for you but we brought this one in really to be kind of a palate cleanser well, we brought yeah. all these big guys for you oh, so here's some little four and a half percent this real light perfect. boy to... and i and i totally dig it all right i'm going to do some more cleansing of my palate and we will take a break we'll be right back uh talk about irish whiskeys in the next segment and we'll of course talk about uh uh the next one's cognac barrel right it is oh, i'm so oh, excited nice. so excited it's smoking and toasting yeah i may have to uh Smoking and toasting. We are the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We are in, going to enjoy a little bit of uh, uh, two of those three in this segment. Uh, a little craft beer from our friends at True Anomaly Brewing, and uh, some uh, some spirits from uh, 1888. So, are you ready to open? All right. Let me share with you this. Now, Ian, <laughs> you're a, you're a fan of Irish whiskey, right? I do like Irish uh, yeah. whiskey. I mean, uh, we we talk about it all the time. One of the kind of go tos at my house is Slane. Yeah, Slane because good. it's so inexpensive and it tastes it totally punches above its weight weight class uh, flavor wise, and it's one that just everybody seems to like, and uh, and so that's that's one that uh, that I'm usually got a bottle of at home. But a total of six Irish whiskeys won gold outstanding medals, and twelve whiskeys won gold medals in the 2021 International Wines and Spirits Competition judging, and so. I wanted to share some um, uh, some names with you, just in case you want to try some of these. All right. uh, Irish Distillers, uh, a division of French beverage conglomerate Pernod Ricard, took gold outstanding medals for Jameson Black Barrel. Have you ever had Jameson Black Barrel? I have not. Yes. You, you've had Black Barrel? Yes, it's very good. And uh, you do you agree with a gold outstanding medal yes, for that? Yes, it's, it's very good. It's very good. Okay. So that's that's one of those you'll see. Uh, Jameis has been stepping up their game the last few years. They've got their uh, their uh, Cask Mates series, which mm-hmm. has an IPA cask and a uh, stout cask, and both of those are quite good. Uh, there's I, Jameson's, just the standard Jameson's, is, is a good it, whiskey. It's a good whiskey. And, and I, you know, a, a lot of people put their nose up at it because it's so <laughs> ubiquitous in the industry that, mm-hmm. they, that they get that kind of, oh, Jameson's, well, whatever. But the truth is, uh, if you're if you're taking shots and you're drinking it like a shot, all whiskey tastes terrible. Right. So, so, so slow stop down. and sip it. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's exactly right. Slow down and sip it and enjoy what's there. I I, I enjoy Tullamore Dew. You know, no, there's just, wrong just the do. basic Tullamore Dew is. But is yeah, quite the, good. the so the black. Uh, the black barrel is actually a step up. It's a little more expensive. I think the standard Jameson's is right at 
twenty six dollars yeah, a bottle, something like that. Yeah, uh, the Black Barrel I believe is going to come in about ten dollars more than that, or maybe fifteen dollars more than that. And so it's, that's it's still a big a, step up, and it's really good. It's a great price. Uh, they also were awarded for their Middleton Very Rare Barry Crockett Legacy. Haven't tried that. I've had Middleton, but I've never tried yeah, that. I haven't tried that either. So that's something to look forward to. Speaking of Tullamore Dew, the Tullamore Dew Special Reserve, twelve year old. Uh, was given a gold outstanding medal. I haven't medal. tried that one. Uh, I have a Tullamore Dew uh, uh, single cask that we've had on, on the show. Uh, it's a single malt, actually, uh, that we've had here on the show that I've still got a little bit of, of left at home. And I've had the regular, but I have not had the special reserve. I have a Tullamore Dew that came in the little clay thing, yeah, the clay vessel. Yeah, I have yeah. no, no idea how much is in it. <laughs> well, we're just going to have clay vessel. We're just going to have to find out. <laughs> they need to put uh, a little window on it so yeah. I can see. You know. Sightline. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Pierce Lyons Distillery Marriage of Malt Whiskey uh, was given a uh, gold outstanding medal. Don't know anything about that one. And so was Lambay Irish Whiskey, their malt whiskey. St. Patrick's Distillery, peated single malt Irish whiskey. Have you ever had a peated uh, uh, Irish? Not a peated Irish, I don't no. think I have either. Uh, there was also a total of 12 Irish whiskeys that won gold medals. Jameson Cooper's Crows, Middleton Very Rare 2021, Method and Madness Single Malt, uh, Jameson Cask Mates that you mentioned, the yeah. IPA edition, uh, Method and Madness Single Pot Still Irish Whiskey, and, uh, and a number of others. Uh, Waterford Distillery, Irish Single Malt, Craft Irish Whiskey Company, The Devil's Keep Irish Whiskey, mm. and Tullamore Dew's Single Malt that I mentioned uh, mm -hmm. won a gold medal as uh, well. So so there's some Irish whiskeys to look for. I, I will tell you, at Specs, the Irish whiskey aisle has been expanding. It's been growing, yeah. yeah. They've been, they've been uh, stocking more and more uh, new and different uh, Irish whiskeys that I have not seen before. Yeah, there. Good value so, propositions. Yeah, yeah, I, think, I so. think, you know, over the last, uh, especially in the last 10 years, some styles of uh, spirits that haven't been on people's radar are, are growing. Like gin, for instance, is, uh -huh. is mm -hmm. huge and growing. That um, gin that we had last week on this show that yeah, uh, yeah. that Doc's brought in that kind of replaced Citadel. the junipery vibe with this very floral, citrusy mm -hmm. kind. Of, oh man, it was good. Yeah, the Citadel was really good. Citadel's very good. That's I, kind of one of our go-to. And his was a special edition of the yeah, Citadel. It, it was, but uh, it was really just yeah. Terrific. That's one of the go-tos at my house. Uh, I like some of the barrel-rested gins that have come out. But I think that uh, much like that, I think Irish whiskey. I think people are giving it a chance. They're realizing that you know, I, part of it. I think is. Uh, there's so many bourbons that are good, not very expensive, but good, that go on allocation that you just can't get anymore. Like I, I up until about halfway through this last year, I always had a bottle of Weller Special Reserve mm -hmm. on my. It's not, it wasn't expensive. It was eighteen dollars mm -hmm. for a bottle. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. And then, damn it, it caught on. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Sometimes you don't. Now you can't find the damn thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes you, know? you almost don't want to share when something's really good and expensive. And, because uh, of and that. so like, and yeah, I, think... I need to quit talking about all this gin. That's going <laughs> to end up coming. Up. <laughs> That's one of the good value propositions <laughs> we can get out there, guys. Oh, exactly. so your neighbors uh, make a gin. Uh, Eighth Wonder makes mm -hmm. a hop gin mm -hmm. that's outstanding. Mm -hmm. It's just such a bizarre thing to say, but gin. Uh, it has a lot of floral to it anyway, and the hop gin is just so good. Mm -hmm. Like as weird as that, we tried a hopped whiskey on here uh, uh, a couple years ago, and it, and it was, was not good. Terrible. It was not good oh, at yeah. all. That uh, no, that the all, gin lends itself a little bit better to that. The gin is different. Yeah, somebody might still be able to do that. I mean, the um, 
the uh, Glenfiddich IPA uh, that wasn't bad. Is, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I love that whiskey. Yeah. That's a that's just got. But that's not necessarily hopped. It's just rested in IPA mm-hmm. casks. So mm-hmm. uh, so this beer is a Belgian Golden Strong, which is the same as the last beer. Correct. But Ooh. this has been resting in cognac barrels for eight. Months, right? Can you, can you taste it? Oh, <laughs> uh, so I got So I'll let everybody. If you, if you, this uh, this beer took on the character of wow. the cask, like any, the, like unlike anything we've seen before. This is almost. As did if, you say the base of this was a Belgian? It's a Belgian Golden Strong. So the yeah. base of it's about nine percent already, right? The other one, like the port, again same base. It gained about a percent or so with the port. This one, the cognac, woo, it's about fourteen percent. So this really? is fourteen percent ABV. It's the biggest beer we've put out, and again, unlike anything we've seen, it took on the characteristics of that barrel I was in say, a way that if you if you're not a cognac or brandy fan, you're probably not going to be into this it, one. Yeah. Now, if, if you are, if you like the yak, this is this is it for you. If cognac were a beer, this is what it would be. At 100, percent you know, yeah. it's so, uh, you know, wow. I, I don't know if I've ever experienced a beer that had been in a cask that had taken on that the much oak, of the characteristic. Oh, the oak in here is so prevalent too. Mm-hmm. Like it's such mm-hmm. a huge oak. It's very flavor. it's very dry. But it's it not almost, but it's not a burnt kind of charred oak. It's a very oaky oak. It almost yeah, makes light, you feel it's a, like it's a light oak, right? Like yeah. a nice uh kind of warming with the alcohol in there. Dries out a little bit, but it doesn't it almost, leave you almost strained. makes you feel like you should be taking Really small sips, like you would a, a cognac, instead of a larger uh, right. drink that you would of a beer, right? Yeah, well, you can. You, right, it's right. fine if you do. That's because you only pour me this. Two I'm <laughs> picturing this with a 45th anniversary Pajon. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the kind of thing that I think would go with this in such a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a special occasion cigar with an occasion. Uh, series uh, beer, yeah, yeah. And beer we we designed these to, to end I, up having good pairings. You know, I think both these lend themselves to really seeking out. You know, those food pairings, cigar oh, pairings, creme brulee with berry. this. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh. oh. <laughs> it is. So, and, so that's a good point. I like will, a sip of this and then yeah. crack through the crust on so it. So again, and and just to to delve a little bit more into the characters, just saying cognac, it is a little bit more sweet forward, right? So mm-hmm. we, you get a different uh, kind of sweet character on the front end. Um, uh, it's it's like we said, got nice oak elements throughout. Very dry, crisp uh, finish there. Um, goes great, I would say, as a dessert or aperitif uh, mm. type type uh, you know beverage. Uh, you know, I would certainly save this one for maybe after the meal. I love uh, sweet, sticky beers. I do. I love yeah. uh, barley wines. I love Belgian ales. I love those kind of things. I love in this particular uh, um, uh, offering here that the oak in here just kind of like you get that sweet round uh, Belgian feel, and then you get that uh, that cognac warmth in the mm-hmm. flavor because mm-hmm. belgians are generally a much brighter flavor because they're right. very fruity uh so you get that cognac warmth and then that oak comes in and just goes you know what we're not leaving it that sweet for you it's so nice yeah, yeah. and you, you'll tell that this is a little lower carbonated as well right, right. so this allows it to yeah, again just kind of see through carbonated. And I, mm-hmm. yeah i like it so i i'll pour beers sometimes for friends and i'll be like there's no carbonation in that and they'll say it kind of a negative thing and i'm like i know <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah. not not still obviously there is a little bit of bubble yeah, yeah. there but well, again very smooth quite character lets the cognac and the barrel kind of sing through We've talked about this um, before, Ian, but the American-style barley wines 
versus um, the regular barley wines. One of the reasons I think that you don't like the American styles as well is because they are higher carbonated. And it seems to mess with that just sort of purity of flavor uh, with the, the barley wines. It's sounding like I don't like carbonation. I do, but I just like it at the right at the right. It's balance. different for different beers. Right. Barley wines don't need a lot of carbonation no. uh, to get their flavors across. I think the biggest problem with an American-style barley wine is you take a perfectly good beer, and much like a Mexican lager where before you even taste it, you stick lime and salt in it, you take a perfectly good beer, and then you put this disgusting amount of hops into it. So it's the hops, really. See, for me, it's the carbonation. We never made a barley wine, yeah. I mean, so we we haven't messed around too many meads, barley wines, different things. Obviously, we're venturing in a lot of different directions as it is. But we, uh, do you know uh, uh, Joel from Eureka Heights? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he came on the show and uh, co-hosted it with me when he was out of town, and uh, we we cleared out some beers out of his uh, walk-in. <laughs> that doesn't. St- we just cleared out whatever was in there. No, I don't know what he that, brought. No, we tried like 16 different beers. <laughs> That's kind of what they did, though. No, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous it's, show. Yeah, yeah. And, but, uh, and some of them weren't weren't still we, good. We had, let me put it this way. There was a 2008 Sisyphus. Nice. <laughs> it was still good. And by the way, the 2012 wasn't as good. Yeah. Now, Joel liked it. I didn't like it. But the 2008 was delicious. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. You yeah, never yeah. know. It, it is a food product at the end of the day, right? Right, right. Yeah. right. Exactly. Well, and some beers obviously age better than others do. Right. So it, uh, yeah. it, really, it really does. And depend. this is another one that you can hold on to. It'll age very well. It'll continue yeah. to mature. Um, well, Belgians in general, Belgian-style, Belgian-based beers uh, do tend to age well as well. Generally speaking, yes. Now, these two are, are about to come about to come out, you said. Is that right? Yeah, these will be coming out in the next uh, couple weeks. And obviously, they're, they're limited. Do you plan on continuing? In other words, when these sell out, will you replace them with more newer things, uh, newer things that you're trying? In other words, is this an ongoing uh, uh, idea to be putting out these uh, these bombers? Yeah, it is. So, uh, so the uh, larger format uh, bottles here, 500, 750 milliliter. Uh, we're trying to get into more of a one month, maybe every month cycle. Uh, like I said, we have these coming out this month. Uh, last month we had our collaboration with uh, Eighth Wonder actually come out, um, which was another food or barrel aged uh, number. Next month we have two or three uh, thereafter. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, we're we're definitely looking at trying to make this a more permanent, um, you know, development in that we have you know more cyclical options. Uh, that being said, you know these are long lead items. Like I said, this is an 18 month right. age this has been process. Resting for a while, yes. So, and we've you know we've backfilled those, but yeah. you know in order to taste those, and it's all at the end of the day. And I think most brewers would say this, especially when it comes to these long term uh, kind of format bottles. We, uh, you know, the beer kind of tells us when it's ready. I love right. That. So, uh, so I we have to taste that. it. We taste it. You know, every two three weeks. See what's happening Your inside the cast. I know it's yeah. so difficult. I, 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 honestly, <laughs> I, but I love when beer talks to you because beer does. It, it does. Yes. Beer does talk to me. In fact, usually it says "drink me." Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Is what it usually. Hopefully, says. by the time we've gotten it to you, that's <laughs> what it's telling you. Because I'll tell you, sometimes we have it. And it goes not so, not now. Not yet. <laughs> so, so you mentioned doing a, a collaboration, uh, a collaboration with Eighth Wonder. I've always wondered this because I've seen a number of uh, of brewery collaborations. I've tasted a number of them. A lot of them have been quite good. How does that happen? Does one of you call the other? 
Are you out at a bar someplace hey, drinking buddy. together? And yeah, right. Like, how how does a collaboration between you guys and Eighth Wonder happen? Yeah, sure. I just sent out a mass email to all the Brit. No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. listen, we do that here. We send out a mass email to all of our guests and go, okay, we're booking new shows, and, and then people go, hey, yeah. I, I got something new. Fair I'll enough. Come Fair in. enough. Yeah, yeah, so, yes. so nothing to be embarrassed about there. Yeah. But, uh, no. So uh, Eighth Wonder are our neighbors, right? They're one block right. up. So we've known them in the community for a long time. And then, honestly, uh, as you guys are well aware, I think we've talked about this before, just the Bruin community is um, uh, really tight-knit, you know, and right. uh, without being, you know, exclusive. Everybody knows each other. They're very welcoming. Right. You're coming into the market. You know, and Newbury's coming so, in there. So, so we, we offer a hand, are, and they help out. Back. So because you guys are so close, it's not like that scene in Anchorman where the two different stations <laughs> right. meet, meet up. Yeah, all the stations end up right. meeting up, bringing their billy clubs. <laughs> you know, or, or in West Side Story, you know, where right. they, they're on. We don't it's have that much like rhythm. That. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was way, much happier to be right. You said West Side Story, which just reminded me I watched In the Heights, and it's wonderful. Uh, it's on uh, HBO Max. I don't know that one. Uh, it's it's uh, a newer one. Lynn Manuel Miranda, who did Hamilton. Mm-hmm. This is his uh, his newest uh, thing. Oh, okay. It's uh, In the Heights. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Um, but as far as like collaborating with, with other breweries, I, I think it's. I think it's just such an interesting. So, so then, how does it work? Does one brewmaster take the lead? Do they do they both get together at one of the breweries sure, and, yeah. and and start you know planning and plotting what to do? Sure, yeah, yeah. Honestly, you, you've got the the tail of it right there. I love the, it. Uh, I love so, it. generally speaking. Um, you know, you, you pay it forward, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you'll end up hosting at your place or vice versa. And then when the next one comes around, you'll host at the other other place. So That's when so I say cool. host, I mean brew, right? So, right, right. Uh, so if we're doing a brew, you know, we'll do uh, – we've done a few of these. I'll take one other example, Great Heights, right? So we did a brew with Love them, yeah. Great Heights. They, uh, they brewed a beer that we collaborated, worked on together. Usually whoever's brewing the beer at the host location ends up, you know, coming up with the, uh, the basis of the recipe mm-hmm. or maybe working off of something with – with the collaborator that uh, is more in their wheelhouse. So we have one coming up uh, where we're going to end up doing kind of a, uh, a you know, our biggest stout ever. It's going to be, you know, 15, 16%. Ooh, I love oh the sound God, of that. Oh, my God, Ian. Did you hear that? Yeah. A 15, 16% stout. And it ended up being, a, you know, a, a longer boil. And we have somebody coming in um, that is more particular and educated and have done a lot of these before. So they're right, going to bring right. that skill set to that's us. That's awesome. Yeah, right? that's awesome. And now yeah. hopefully we'll, you know, retain some of that, be able to develop and, you know, fold that into our future production That's of those awesome. particular styles of beers. For That's awesome. the I one that it. we just did with Eighth Wonder, it was a little more peculiar and uh, interesting because of the way that we have our wild, sour, funky stuff mm-hmm. that we were able to do a kind of dual release where they did uh, a batch at their place, we did a batch at ours, and we both released the same day, which is not usually what you see because you don't want to compete. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't right, want right, to both right. do it and then yeah. the, the public or anybody come together. Trying to and figure then, out which one to buy. Right, yeah, right, right. 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 What we, but in this uh, scenario, you know, we were able to do something, really add a lot of different characteristics through the, the yeast, uh, funky Britannomyces and, and uh, fooder character there release at the same time and now if you did a compare and contrast you're looking for different things sure right so right. by the very nature of of what we did with the beer which is Love very it. unique and something we were able to do and, and we're going to end up continuing to do. we have one with eureka coming up uh we've got um honestly a, a bunch of different different collaborations uh in the next you know six months or so that we're looking to hey, you listen, know, excite hip, in the market hip-hop's been doing it for a decade and right. it works for them, right? You know, <laughs> people get introduced to new artists because they're uh, teamed up with an artist they know, and it, it kind of spreads the love, you right? Know? Right. It, and we it, do the same that we, you know, we've got Whitmire's uh, barrels that we're playing with, and you know, good with those guys. Man, same thing with single barrel. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. 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 
Yellow Rose as well, same thing. You know, mm-hmm. we're just working with these guys. We've got, um, you know, good information for, or, you know, good good products that we're working on, good products that they're coming out with with the barrels themselves and the product, and then we reuse those and work on, you know, different levels of collaboration. So when the, when the Yellow Rose barrels were scheduled to arrive, did they actually show up? Uh, we went and picked them up. Oh, okay. that's, that's, that's probably best. Uh, okay, and we'll just leave that right there. Ian, I think you missed all of that, didn't you? Who? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I did. Sorry, uh, I was I was looking at some. I just caught up with like all of a sudden a bunch of the uh, uh, the comments uh, on comments the... popped up here. Yeah. So yeah, anything, yeah. anything worth sharing? Well, uh, so yeah, so um, Liliana Rodriguez, our uh, our tequila expert, tequila expert says uh, Añado means aged for at least a year. Okay, there you go. Thank same, you, same. And, and she Añado. would know. She's the one that would know. By the way, uh, we didn't get a chance to share this last week. My wife actually pointed it out to me uh, in last week's show notes that uh, Bruce uh, on Stark, uh, one of our uh, most loyal listeners, uh, we were talking about martinis last week, uh-huh. and Bruce made a, a comment that I thought was one of the best like show note comments ever. He said, uh, martinis are like women's breasts. One is not enough. And three is too many. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was great, right? <laughs> All right, so we're talking rum here, Ian. This is the Brugal 1888 Doblemente Añejado. Mm. It's uh, from the Dominican Republic, and it is uh, all wrapped up in string. Now you already uh, you already know a little bit about this because you uh, went through all the pains of making sure that the wax was. Uh, out of the way, and, and the neck like of the that. bottle is cleared, so it wouldn't like you know yeah. spill or mm-hmm. anything like that. But um, I want to tell you, this is like caramelized brown sugar, isn't it? Though, mm. yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's not it's cinnamon. It's not. Um, it's not super sweet, even though you you were right about the brown sugar. But it's not. You know, some rums have a, a, a real distinct sweetness to them. This one strikes me as a little less that way, but you get that caramel. And you get the uh, almost like a molasses to it. It is, mm-hmm. and the molasses is definitely there, but this is also unapologetically rum. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, it is. Like it is like Oof. easy drinking. This is yeah, and it's it's a little too easy mm-hmm. probably to drink. You know, what, but this is this is like like when you think rum, this is what it should smell like. Mm-hmm. When uh, one of the things I find the most interesting about it is that in the initial sip, it it tastes like rum. But you don't necessarily get all the complexity of the flavors. You get that a moment later on the finish. When that finish comes back, it is so rich and complex. It is. Uh, it, this is really good. Mm. There's the retro hail on this. Is like mm-hmm. vanilla mm-hmm. and and caramel and 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 like yeah, and a caramel and like a, a kind of a toast. Yes, almost cinnamon, absolutely. Cinnamon toast, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, cinnamon toast. I like it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Now, this is so. This is the Brugal eighteen eighty eight, kind of a nondescript bottle. I mean, it's it's very pretty, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a big flashy uh, sort of a bottle. And this is rum from the Dominican Republic. One of the interesting things that we found out, you know, with our buddy Docs from Plantation Rum, uh, is how interestingly different rum is from. The different but very close together countries mm-hmm. where most of it comes mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's really interesting. A Jamaican rum will be very different from a Dominican rum. This doesn't rum have any of that rum funk or, or something. From, no, no, like this is, this is missing right. that. This is all on the sweet side that of rum, rub, that rubbery sweet. funk. Yeah, yeah. cane sugar sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very very much. Yeah. Um, 
Very good. By the way, this uh, Scout Mexican style lager works really well as a palate cleanser. On that. <laughs> well, yeah, with the rum. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, the uh, mm-hmm. the bottle here and honestly the flavor. And it a goes bit. well with the rum. Yes, have it y'all, does. Have y'all had the uh, Zacapa? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it reminds the, me. Yeah, yeah, it does remind me a little bit of the Zacapa actually. Uh, the Zacapa is actually quite good. Right, and a good value proposition. Again, <laughs> yeah. I'm always boy, looking for the good. Boy, you, boy, you're not kidding. And this rum, by the way, $35, $36 for mm, that bottle. Nice. Mm. So it's not an expensive. You know, uh, I, I did see, by the way, a bottle of uh, uh, the rum that Docs and Plantation Guys did with our our buddy uh, Chris Hart and mm-hmm. the uh, Houston Bourbon Society. Uh, I did see a bottle of that at Specs was $144. Yeah. So you're talking, I'm, and, it, and believe, I'm going to just say, it's worth it. <laughs> wow. But, but yeah. you are you are talking, you know, um, three reserve. times a great bottle right. of mm-hmm. Right, right. You're mm-hmm. talking three bottles of this or a bottle of that. You're talking Reserva de la Familia prices. Well, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, but it has I gotta to do with you, the aging that, and, and, and all I've that. I've got that know? Florida Cana 25 at the house. Dude, mm. you still have some of that? Holy cow, yes. Like I covet that. That's like. That is, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I only drink it with, you know, some Coke and. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and some lime and salt. Cuba Libre. I only use it to mix well, up my, margaritas from my, a mix. My Florida Kanye 25 has been gone for a long time. Sometimes yeah. I look at the little box it came in wistfully. Mm. <laughs> no, you I keep I the boxes. It, I oh, I, I hate to this, see your garage. In in this case, I don't. I don't keep. I keep two boxes. I kept that one. And I keep any of the Reserva de la Familia boxes because they're uh, they're so pieces pretty, of yeah. art, right? And they well, change plus every the, year. The so. Florida Cana one, they they inscribe smoking and toasting on a yes, bottle for know, us, which is really nice. Yeah, so I actually kept the bottle yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. unfortunately, what's the uh, sadly the, the, empty. the tequila azul? Is it that uh, yeah, they yeah. come in like the really nice yes, bottle? Yes. And, mm-hmm. That's I, the only. I, I think we got one or two I'm, of those floating around. I've never so had that super. The first bottle of the Florida Cana twenty five that I had. This is this is such. A funny story. Uh, I brought to my uh, brew club meeting. I'm in a brew club called the Connoisseurs Club of Smoking and Drinking, CCSD. If you if you see that okay. on shirts around or anything like that. But uh, I, I I had this bottle that I got from uh, Gonzales, Texas. This bottle of rum from a distiller out there, and um, it was bad. <laughs> I remember you talking about this. Yeah, and I don't mean Sorry, a up. little bit. I mean like when you pop the bottle, it was like, is that actually just fuel? Mm. Right. Um, kind of like that. It was ethanol. Quite literally, the worst rum I think I've tried. Mm. Um, and uh, and I had that, and I had about a half a bottle of that Florida Kanye twenty five. And so as as a fun thing to do, I brought both of those up, and I said, okay, guys, I want you to try this. <laughs> and here's the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You see who got confused and then cut him out of your life forever. That, that's uh, that's actually quite a you know quite an experiment. That, that an was display. literally one sided to the other. That'd be like that'd be like trying a trying a uh, Oli 800 next to anything you brought here. You know? it's <laughs> that's like, exactly right. Uh, it's exactly right. Well, my friends, the time is drawing near. That we have uh, uh, waited and waited for and anticipated for um, really all of the time since last week's show. Oh. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do a quick palate cleanse, and we'll do your drinking news. Let's do it. We'll be right back. It's smoking a toaster.
Chicken and Toastin, show number 241. Uh, we are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts for cigar lovers on the web. They are a sponsor of the show, so please support them since they support us. MyCigarShirts.com because cigars. cigars. Yeah, Michael Duckworth. From, I have a mouthful of uh, it's, rum. It's quite all right, and it's really good rum, isn't mm. it? Oh, man. We were oh. talking about this. Like I, I wouldn't have batted an eye had this been a $50 bottle. A super quick shout out, by the way. Um, I poured some of this uh, Mexican style lager into just one of these uh, little taster cups and mm-hmm. set it off to the side because I wanted to try it when it's uh, room temperature mm-hmm. and it stands up. It's still good. Well, I, I mentioned this to Thank Michael you. during the break. I think this may be my f- favorite Mexican style lager ever. Like, I just really, really, really good. like this. It, right. is, it is really, really delicious. So, all right. So, we still have some tasting to do. I noticed this is one of my favorite kind of uh, bottles because <laughs> the the label is uh, is like blue painter's tape. I are love you gonna, that. Are you going to uh, actually put totally, it on the shelf with that? You should I, I, totally I, I, do just, that. Just do it. You just should do totally it. do that. It's all, I would I would immediately walk to the shelf and pick this all up. Right. And look at it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, but I would want a little more info about what it was. Although you need to invest in green tape to keep in. Uh, uh, that is true. Uh, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is uh, uh, once again the time that we uh, seem to find ourselves at every week. It's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When I asked about his absent arm, he said, uh... Found a gator in my boat. No, in no, my no. Bet. <laughs> ah, I messed it up. I had to take my gator when to the vet. When I asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. There you go. Drinking news. <laughs> drinking news. Now it's time for drinking uh, news. Cheers, y'all. Ian, I do think you should write a new verse, though, because I have found a gator on my boat. I like that. That would, that would, uh, that would totally work. I, I actually uh, I have one sketched out, and it's about you know those little uh, uh, motorized coolers that people were riding mm, around for yeah, a while. Yeah, it's yeah. about a guy taking one of those on the freeway. Mm, <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a Florida man story yeah, right yeah, there. Took a gator on my float. Well, we remind you that drinking news, are, uh, uh, which has turned in uh, against really all odds, has turned into one of the most uh, popular segments on the show. Yes, uh, drinking news is uh, is basically the time each week when we share a story with you that is sometimes but not always about drinking mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. is always probably most easily enjoyed when you are mm-hmm. drinking mm-hmm. And, and influenced so, by those who were <laughs> drinking and usually generally influenced speaking, by those there, who were drinking there's generally some <laughs> drinking going on somewhere somehow a Nashville woman is suing Tennessee officials after her vanity license plate reading 69PWNDU was taken away a decade after she first registered it. Pwned. When uh, uh, the young woman named Leah purchased a vanity plate to celebrate her interest in astronomy and gaming, Mm -hmm, it did not occur to her that her constitutionally protected speech could land her in jail, her lawyers wrote in a press release. Included in the lawsuit is a copy of a letter that she received from revenue officials informing her that the plate had been, quote, deemed offensive, unquote, and was revoked. You may apply for a different personalized plate or request a regular non-personalized plate to replace the revoked 
plate. The letter continues. The law requires you to immediately return the revoked plate. You will be unable to renew your vehicle mm-hmm. registration mm-hmm. until the plate has been returned. Now, the lawsuit argues that this revocation before a hearing that gave her a chance to defend herself is a prior restraint on her freedom of speech and therefore violates the First Amendment. They also argued that the state's vanity plate law is unconstitutionally too vague under the 14th Amendment and violates her right to due process. Now, here's, here's a, a small explanation. Her lawyers oh. describe her as an as- astronomy buff and a gamer. Can I, can I jump in real quick? Chris? Yeah. All right, so because I remember I read this. Okay. And I have to speak for the, the NASA crowd. 1969. Yes. yes. The, That's the year of the moon landing. The year of the moon landing. Exactly. 69. So they explained that. The reasoning for the replate, which you first you know got a decade ago, combines the year of the moon landing, 1969, with a common gaming term, mm-hmm. PWN. Now, this term, which is an intentional misspelling of the word own, O-W-N, is usually used in the past tense to put someone down who just lost. The losing player got owned, or P-W-N-E-D. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, a, a gaming term. Yeah, we so, own those Russians. So P-W-N-D-U, therefore, might be something that she would say after winning a game. The term has even made its way into the official Oxford Languages Dictionary, defined as, especially in video gaming, to utterly defeat... An opponent or rival completely get the better of. Uh, so a spokesman for the Department of Revenue says the agency does not comment on ongoing litigation, but says state law allows it to revoke vanity plates that may carry connotations that are offensive to good taste or decency or are misleading. Um, well, do they so, state what the state says it actually mm, is supposed to mean? Uh, I, I don't know. We've got. And did you put the image up already? Yeah. So there's an image of the license plate. It says sixty nine. P-W-N-D-U. So here, owned you. here at Drinking News, we're not sure why 69 owned you uh, would be considered offensive. Now, we all know what 69 can refer to, but we're not Bill and Ted, and that number combination is a, you know, a, 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 you'll find that number combination, <laughs> combination in plenty of license plates, right? right? I've, yeah. seen, I've yeah. seen that. I think randomly but, it gets yeah. inserted in there, right? Surely they must have been thinking that it stood for something else. It right. has to, and stop calling me Shirley. We can, we can only guess, but perhaps <laughs> they thought that 69 PWNDU stood for... Sixty-nine penises with no discernible underwear, mm. <laughs> or or sixty-nine playful widows never do undress. Mm. How is it offensive? <laughs> or maybe they thought it stood for sixty-nine pretty waitresses now dating usher. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Same time. Sixty-nine, perhaps we never did undulate. Could be. Sixty-nine, please. I want to know. I want to know what the state. We can says. only guess. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying like, to. I want them to own that. I want them to say this is what we think it means. Maybe and then put it in type and say it out loud. Maybe and they then, thought and it then meant she's going to yell her patriotism from from the high. That's right. I mean, that's what she's already been doing for a decade. Maybe, we own the Russians in '69. That's, that's all right. she's saying. That's right. Maybe she. Maybe they think it means '69. Please, will nobody drop ukuleles. <laughs> You can stand behind that one. Or Uh-oh, here. Or maybe <laughs> 69 persnickety wellness nurses, doctors undressed. Oof. 
That could be a little scandalous, right? Right, right. How about 69 platypuses with no dong underneath? <laughs> platypi. That's, that's obviously it. <laughs> For yeah. the record, platypi. Platypi, thank you. I could go on, but it, that would be like 69 perfect wallabies now doing the unthinkable. <laughs> so I guess it's just time to say that, ladies and gentlemen, is your drinking news. Drinking news. That was time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. <laughs> so what was your favorite? Uh, Will nobody drop ukuleles? I like to know nobody drop yeah. ukuleles. I think, I, dude. I just, I just gotta say because we all know the government would, is notorious for like we're taking that away and we're not gonna explain. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why I they want the them government? to say why. What? 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 Right. What? What, I want them to what come. was it about sixty nine? PWNDU. Because, you know, okay, so we I think, understand I think her you're right. For that. 69, we owned you because mm-hmm. we landed on oh, the moon. For a decade, it she was, drove around. It was with the you. space race, right? Obviously. Here's the deal. They called it that for a reason. If I, was, if I was driving behind that, I don't think, uh, other than maybe a fleeting 69 is a sexual reference uh, to some right, people. Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, well, to most people, I guess. But uh, but I don't think that that license plate would come across as something offensive. So first off, the person that takes that offensive has a way dirtier mind than the oh, person yeah, who's totally, putting it out totally. there. Mm-hmm. It's somebody so, who's looking at it and thinking it says oh, 69 platypuses you with no see, dong underneath." Okay, have you ever watched? Um, you remember the PMRC? Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched D. Snyder? Oh yeah, testifying in front of testifying Congress. Testifying in front of it's Congress awesome. and it's explaining awesome. how Tipper Gore has a dirty mind because she thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's brutal yeah, and it's yeah. it's an amazing because it's a, it is an amazing thing. You know what? If I put out something that has the number sixty nine, and you're immediately thinking, sex. That's not on me, buddy. That's, yeah, on, that's on you. you. Yeah, sure, yeah. sixty nine. And, and, and why is it offensive <laughs> to you? Uh, because you're uncomfortable with the way you're thinking. Right. Exactly. So now I have to change what I do because the way you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I, I, mean, I would even say in, in current context, colloquial kind of usage, 69's kind of, I mean, up until that's, like that's Bill and Ted. has been. Yeah. It yeah. is. I mean, like Beavis and Butthead, when's the last time that we were right. excited about right. 69? It's, 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 <laughs> kind of, it's kind of a junior high thing. Right. right. If, you know, if like, that yeah. even. I would yeah. even say the current generation. They yeah. don't even, I mean, they're not yeah. getting excited by Whatever. it at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, exactly. I, uh, but there is a whole society that just wants to be offended by everything. Well, yes, we have plenty. You know, of the that victim here. mentality is uh, is it's is alive large. and well, my friend. Yes, it's alive and well. So. Well, uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed the drinking news for this uh, for this particular week. We are um, enjoying. Uh, this is really interesting, uh, Michael, because when um, you know when we had you scheduled to come on the show. It it did not occur to me you'd be bringing barrel aged beers. So this is this is a wonderful surprise. The two that we've tried so far, you mentioned, are about to come out. Correct. 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 Now I noticed that the next one has a uh, <laughs> lacking it, a label. Ha, has, has no label yet. Is this one further away? <laughs> further away. Yeah. Okay. That one has next. a more earthy kind of label. I, a more I dig it. I yeah, yeah. dig it. Yeah. Yeah, straight out of the this tap. Is, in, in fact, I think I think you should offer it. Maybe like when you get a. You know, really cool label for it. You should offer it with that and with this, because see, I would love to buy one of these. Well, you know, mm. and when somebody like Ian comes over, I'd be like, "Look what you I." You know, the term where so we we secret. all drink or consume the label a lot of times, we, we right? Do. Yes. Of okay, I have to tell you, like as cool as these labels are, yeah. When I see that, 
you get really it's excited. It's already a little more delicious. Yeah, yeah get drawn yeah. in. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to tell you guys how to market. You're obviously doing a great job with your packaging <laughs> and marketing. But uh, We'll sneak uh, the uh, government warning on there somewhere. <laughs> then we'll be good. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Uh, it's under the cap. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe you could just maybe you could just put like a little chip under there or something, and when you pop the top, it could be a recording of Ian reading the government. You, you know how when you get a Glen Karen glass, it says the Glen Karen oh, in the yeah. bottom yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah. That's where the government warning needs to be, right? Right, and we know it at this point, don't yeah, we? Yeah, like, well, I'm pretty or, sure. Or you could put like at the bottom of the bottle if you can like see that when you get to the bottom when you drain it. You can <laughs> just put you're in big trouble. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Ian, are you opening this one, or are we? Ooh, uh, here, yeah, yeah. He's the expert. The expert. All right. All right so. I'm going to do a little palate cleanse here with the Scout. Oof, nice sound. That was good. Mm. Oof. Oh, man. Yeah. You're, you're pretty good at that beer opening thing. You know, I practice it. <laughs> at uh, home. I, I do at home. And I'm not as good as some bartenders that I've seen yeah. um, because I've seen some pretty efficient bartenders. But um, You know, that gives me an idea for a fun show. We get bartenders from different bars around around the city, right? To come in and we see who can do the best opening of bottles and cans, and maybe even uh, like liquor bottles too. You know, the pop of the uh, of the corks. Mm. Okay, now I don't know why that just made this pop into my head. You know what we need to do? We need to have all the bartenders we know submit a bartender story. Oh, I like that. And uh, we can have drinking news story. and bartender stories. Bartender stories could take Oof. over drinking news. Bartender new, tales. The yeah. new most popular. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, right, yeah. right. Allow, allow them to be as local as possible <laughs> and use as many names as they'd yeah. like. Right. Bartender <laughs> tales. Skyrocket to the yeah. top. <laughs> yeah, you guys will never guess what happened when Amy Smith came in last year. <laughs> <laughs> I know her. Uh, uh, Todd. Uh, <laughs> Todd. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's with good. two D's, but <laughs> all right. Yes, it always. All is. right. So this, the only thing it says on this label is BBA densified. Correct. So we what have a. Uh, oh, it smells like burnt coffee beans. And, <laughs> like in so the we best have a, way. We have a uh, a base beer called densified propellant. Okay. So densified propellant, uh, if, again, NASA term. It's uh, rocket yeah. fuel, oh. right? It's, it's the fuel, base sure. rocket fuel, right? Um, so it's a stout. It's eleven point two percent naturally. Right, so now we stuck in a bunch of burn barrel age. We're actually, I don't, I don't have any more information on here because we need more information on it. So, it is. Uh, so it is. This is about somewhere between 13 and 14 percent, I want to say. It's beautifully boozy. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it was aged again about um, close to 14 or months or so in the, uh, the burn barrels themselves. Wow. So, uh, year plus. Um, I actually haven't tasted it in a month or two, so, uh, so I got to right. do it now. So, right, I don't know. You let me you... know what you think. Dark chocolate, yes. roasted coffee beans, yeah. um, almost, charred, almost overly roasted coffee beans, oak, but, it, but I mean that in a wonderful there. way. There's a little smoke in there somewhere that, like, I don't know where that's coming from. But man, right the barrel. it Nothing. is like, it is rich. It is super mm, rich. Like, I gotta yeah. tell you. It is yeah. super rich, like a malt, and it's very malt, not chocolate on the uh, on the the big round richness. Um, I feel like I'm sitting next to a roasted fire right now. Yeah, just, for just sure. It warms there's, me up from the inside. There's out. almost a powdered sugary uh, topping kind of flavor to this. You know what I really? Uh, you know what yeah, I'm talking yes, about? Absolutely. Like it has a very specific absolutely. like 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 when you eat something that has just a little powdered sugar on top of it, you get that little kiss of that uh, very specific powdered sugar flavor. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, this is fantastic. Again, we're bringing you in from now on. Yeah. We come up with these uh, <laughs> descriptions. He's good That's like it. That. Ian's coming in. You know, we're sending him advanced copies. There's there's a little. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to just take this like way over the top. There's almost a little uh, gingerbreadness going on mm-hmm. in the in the aftertaste and in the um, retro hail kind of a. You know what I really like about it is you can tell that it's boozy. Ooh. But mm. that isn't, you know, sometimes when you get something that's in the 14% range and it's very boozy, taste. that kind of knocks out everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you, can, you can distinctly, you know, you can still tell the flavors that are there. But with this, I feel like you get flavor first and booziness second, mm-hmm. which I really prefer because the flavor of that super dark roasted coffee and uh, mm. that really gritty cocoa is is mm-hmm. too good to be Gritty missed. Cocoa's yeah, nice. yeah. Dark, the little dark too chocolate. Too good to be missed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. I mean, this is, uh, for, for me, uh, full body, full mouth, full warmth kind of coming through the chest. So this was what barrels again? So these are uh, burn barrel age. I believe um, these were, God, I want to say Whitmire's barrels. Um, wow. But wow. I can't remember 100%. I'll have to go and back. Whitmire is chocolatey in the first place. Right, Very it's chocolatey. got some chocolate notes to it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. There's a there's a cold press coffee uh, or cold cold brewed coffee kind of like character finish yeah. to this that I that I kind of dig too. That's really interesting. It's like and it's the very last part of the the right the like when you swallow the very finish yes. of that. It's it's very interesting. I, I absolutely dig it. And even okay. though like when you pour it in the glass, it's incredibly dark. It's not as thick or viscous as you no. think, but it does. You're absolutely, not, you're absolutely right. It's but not, it does have a big mouthfeel. And again, when you talk about something that's 14%, you're almost expecting it to have a motor oil characteristic to it in terms of its uh, sure. viscosity, you know? And um, we're not talking about Foster's beer cans either. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a. Uh, yeah. And uh, again, uh, a little lighter in carbonation there to allow those. Other elements to sink through, right? You're no, not I love that there's, a, there's the like a cinnamon kiss on the very back of this too that I'm just starting to notice. Ian, could like I, there's a little spice to it. Yeah, as it warms up, it'll get more of that. I believe. Yeah. Could yeah. I uh, talk you out of an empty cup? Oh yeah, I want to try something here. I want to go back to just a little bit of this rum. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, now he's making a cube. I see, he's putting I see it all where together. you're going with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. We can, uh, we can all try this together, but. Uh, uh, oh, very. The very rum nice. has got such richness to it, and I won't pour a lot, but I just want enough to. I'm, I'm kind of interested in trying that myself. Yes, going to try we'll it all around now. Mm-hmm. Here is a cup for you, sir. Kind words from all. Thank you very much, Ian. You're no, already hired. We're going to start. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start sending these things your way. I can early. see you, Ian, showing up at the brewery for your first day at work. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yes, yeah. yes. Sorry. Doing the norm Sorry. move. The norm, the norm move from yeah. Cheers. This is me Sorry. hugging the mash tun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, we always know when he shows up because he's got that cigar shirt on. <laughs> Cigars.com. All right, here we go. Actually, what's funny is they go like, like together incredibly well. They really do. It's uh, it does tamp down. Mm. It it puts some chocolate into the rum um, flavor. Mm. Um, so going back to the beer afterwards, 
It, it brings a uh, brightness to the flavor of the beer. I think it covers some of the warmer flavors and brings a brightness into it uh, and, and kind of accentuates that uh, cold coffee kind of thing. Cold yeah. coffee well, kind yeah, of brightness is a wonderful thing. Thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredibly interesting. It gives it a, a twang almost. Like a, you know, one of the things we enjoy doing the most here is seeing how things combine and complement each other. They don't always, but a lot of times they do. And it's it's a it's a wonderful thing when you get a few of these things that sort of fit together and as Ian likes to say, form together like Voltron and, <laughs> and make something uh Make something you unique. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm, off, yeah. Mm. Mm. Just now, you're, now you're switching back to the scout. We got a. Ooh, you oh, are making a little cuvee now. <laughs> it's oh, all together. Okay. All right. What are you trying to uh, do? Yeah. Explain yourself. I have now uh, poured uh, about this much of the Mexican style lager and then filled the rest of it. With mm, the, by okay. this much, he means uh, I, maybe like a one to three ratio. I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little worried about this. Yeah, well, He's lighting it up, you know? It makes it a porter and it's delicious. Okay. It makes oh, it a porter. No, I, like, I'm not joking. Yeah? <laughs> it's actually right. pretty Well, I mean, at this, at this big and, and rich, I mean, it's going to take a lot to right. dilute it down. You can afford to bring it down a notch or two. Right, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah, I, it just I, drops it straight back to porter status. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this. The Tart Golden Strong was the first one we tried. That's Starport Jamboree. <laughs> Starport. Oh, oh he, and you know what? I, I missed the whole story on the mirror. So let me tell you about the cognac real quick. Okay. So the mirror cognac party, that's the one right. we tried last time. So the whole. Mir is the Soviet space station. So the mirror is the space station, right? right. And uh, one of the stories that has kind of come to light after years have passed is that, uh, you know, under the American control space, we, uh, we don't allow any alcohol in space, it's foreboding. <laughs> we don't. Okay. We don't do it. The Russians didn't feel that way. Uh, so, uh, of course they didn't. Of course. So they when didn't. they came up, you know, their 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 uh, beverage of choice, their celebration beer, if you will, or not beer, uh, uh, drink, is cognac, right? So obviously we know it's vodka, right? But that's their everyday drinker. Cognac is what they go to when it's really special a celebration, special right, occasions, yeah. right? So they brought bottles of cognac up into the mirror, right, space station. Mm -hmm. So occasionally. Right, they'd have what we would call little mere cognac parties, oh, where they would invite their American colleagues it. over. They're up there, yeah. share a little cognac with them, celebrate, you know, the mission, and of course the, the objectives. They can't offend. They can't offend, and they couldn't talk about it. Is the other thing. So they did it. They did it all in secret, right? And years, <laughs> years, years later, now we're finding out that these things happened on Mir, right? That the astronauts were up there. They you came mean back. Astronauts are people too. Right? Yeah. What? And they enjoy an alcoholic beverage, okay. <laughs> even in space. Madness. Right. So they came up there, and as a sign of camaraderie and, and friendship, right, they shared sure. their booze. Inter international right? cooperation, which is, which is a universal sign for all of us. How do we oh, show yes. that we love each other? You don't even have to abroad? speak the same language. We have a beer together. This. Have a drink together. And that's the same this. thing they did yeah. on Mir. So I think it's amazing that that happened, A. And B, that it was unspoken of because they knew if they came back, they'd have repercussions. Right, it was against right, right, the right. protocol. They'd maybe be so grounded. These different things. How did this things. eventually come to light, then? They retired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then they write books and they do other things. And now we know that during this these missions, <laughs> there you go. That they were actually building a lot of camaraderie in different ways. So this is actually I one of my favorite this. names of kind of how we got to Mir Cognac Party, 
what actually happened, you know, in, in building how uh, you know, that's a, fantastic. A better state. How how excited were the American astronauts to be? Oh, they're inviting us over for cognac. Oh I'm my sure. god, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, the answer is yes. We'll be right there. Right, right. Comrade. Touche. Uh, and uh, uh <clears throat> excuse me, uh Houston, we can't tell them no. That would be a right. No, that would be, you know, that would be an These are international incident. relations. These are interstellar relations. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back for our final segment. Uh, we've got uh, Starport Jamboree, we got Mere Cognac Party, and we've got something <laughs> called BBA Densified, which Bruce I'll allow Stark you to says, seems to me we could turn this big center console area into a mega twirly gig. Uh, mm. <laughs> Perhaps we'll we mix should. these drinks up. And we'll be right back. It's Smoking and Dusting. <laughs> if you haven't met Mr. Twirly, this is when we, when we have... Job. <laughs> Love it. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. This is the uh, radio program, podcast, and other general foolishness that is uh, all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Man, have we enjoyed some great craft beer today? Yeah, some, my, uh, some great barrel aging. All the high here. proof, just to make sure you did yeah, enjoy yeah, yourself. My drink is broken. Oh, uh, what's wrong with it. your drinking? It's it's the it's, I think the cup has a leak. It's okay. This bottle has a hole too. Like if you, <laughs> See, if you notice, the whole other. top of this is wide open, and then mm-hmm. the drink just keeps pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, so uh, tell me again what the um, what the ABV is on this uh, densified. It's going to be Big. about fourteen percent. We uh, we're, 14%. we got it off for testing right now. Okay. So uh, the uh, tart uh, golden strong starport uh, jamboree. And the Mir Cognac Party, the Belgian Golden Strong, these you mentioned are just about to hit stores. Um, how long until we see the uh, Densified? End of August. End of August. That's not far away. That's not far. I want to point out, if you are a fan of cognac and a fan of beer, you should absolutely oh, buy yeah. that. The Mir Cognac Party. But what's yeah. the uh, price point on that Mir Cognac Party? Same, same. 16. Same, 16-ish? Yeah. 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 Wow. Totally worth that it, is yeah. something to totally sit and share and and really enjoy. I don't know what button you're hitting on there, but it turns about half and then stops. This worries Ooh, this me a little, a little bit. Slower. Because there we go. It worries me a little bit because that's what... The original Mr. Twirly gig did before I, he died. No, I think oh, it's no. I think it's I think it's user error. Oh no! You just have it on slow speed. Yeah. Hey, here we go. Here we go. How about we lighten the load? Let's see what yeah. happens then, huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Little Twirly guy. All right. No. Okay. He's worrying me. He's, He's worrying, worrying me. me. And that's how I buy game. a new Twirly. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's the Junior Junior. Oh yeah. Anyway, son of <laughs> son of Godzilla Twirly gig. Um, but uh, Michael, this has been just so much fun. I, Brian, I really... Brian, a uh, wiki Brian says that's also Ian's uh, dating advice. Push all the buttons; it'll turn them on. <laughs> uh, we uh, we sure appreciate you coming on and sharing these brews with us. This is uh, this is really wonderful stuff, and I just I just love how you guys are not allowing yourself to be pigeonholed as just like the IPA company or the you know you're really really branching out going into all different areas of of brewing and and styles of beer and i think this is just tremendous i hope that this gets you the recognition that you really deserve for Appreciate it. Thank you, also Joe. for those of you like me and uh <clears throat> wiki brian who like to go into a uh brewery and not just see a whole 
slew of IPAs, but this I love is a that. place to go. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We have, I like, love seeing a slew we've of got IPAs. A, uh, What's wrong with this? <laughs> we've got uh, usually about 16 or so beers on tap. Uh, again, a few of those are IPAs. Most of them aren't. Uh, we've got a lot of Belgian, Saison, well, French style stuff, I'm just, wild I'm just sour. Pointing yeah, out the, popular, the popularity of IPAs. And what happens is when, when you walk into most breweries with 16 taps, 14 of them will be IPAs. One of them will be a light beer, and one of them will be a stout. And this is bad because, well, that's, that's <laughs> no, not no, a place for me. but diversity. This place is different. Like actually, so what's <laughs> fun about your place is you walk in, you have a, a, you have your basic IPAs. You also always have two to three Belgians, and I love Belgian yeah, that, that Absolutely, is very yeah. cool. And yeah. that makes me so happy. And then you have, uh, I'm trying to remember what I uh, had there last time. There was a couple stouts on tap. A few different sours, a few different wilds. We usually right. have a number of bottle offerings, like we've highlighted here today. Uh, and also, you guys are you guys are right there by uh, by um, Eighth Wonder. So I'm sure you guys get because I do this a lot. Like if I'm like in brewery mood, I'm going to go to a brewery, then I'll walk to another brewery, and I'm back and forth. And you guys got to get back yeah. and forth traffic. And you have that. Uh, last time I was there, you had a great pizza place right across the street. Vinny's still there. Oh man. And we just we ordered a pizza and just sat there. They came over. They sat it right down on the table. Yep. Yeah, yeah. we partner with those guys. We generally try to carry their that's, menus, just make it fantastic. easy for everybody. Yeah, it was, you know? it, well, it's so nice because uh, you guys don't have to worry about the food. But then they're coming over, and, and I'm sure you guys got a great relationship. But the beer was uh, fantastic. The pizza yeah. was fantastic. I mean, keep everybody time. happy, right? That's all oh, we care. Also, about. Also, you got that front little area uh, where you can sit down and have a cigar if you want, right on the uh, right on the patio, right on the patio. Yeah, yeah. We got a nice little patio yep. out there, You'd all nice. covered up. Vented, air conditioned, not air conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say what? <laughs> so uh, you mentioned uh, when we were uh, first coming down the hall here to the uh, studio uh, that you've been in. Uh, I think you said Seattle, up in uh, up in Washington State. Yeah. Um, and um, you said it's not quite as opened up as we are here in Texas yet. Y- you know, I'll give you a little insight. So I was there just this last week, and uh, we actually talked to a few of the locals around. They said upwards of six hundred, I believe. Bars, restaurants were closed. So I'll, I'll let you know that, um, you know, we've traveled out a, a little bit. This is, uh, I think, our first big trip um, kind of, you know, since recovery, what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were very um, surprised to see just how many restaurants and bars uh, were no longer in operation. So they're not closed because they can't open. They're closed because I think they're they closed. didn't weather the storm uh, to the end. And, right. And, you know, our our... Feelings about that are pretty are pretty strong. Um, we are such fans of supporting your local whatever it is, your local distillery, your local brewery, your local uh, restaurant. I was so thrilled yeah. when Reserve One Hundred One opened back up. That's uh, a few blocks from me uh, downtown because I didn't know if they were going to make it. You know, through the uh, well, through the pandemic. Here's the problem with a lot of those places: uh, you close down. And uh, you're not making money, okay? Right. So which which we all understand is a bad thing, but you got to go a couple levels deeper. If you have a commercial building and you close down and you're not making money, and you've uh, basically told your staff, "Hey, uh, we're not making money, so you're not making money," right. and everything else is happening, you know what happens every single month, even while you're closed down? Rent. The landlord. Yes, rent. The landlord and the bills. The electricity's mm-hmm. still got to go. Like you can't have a bar. 
and shut down all your refrigerators. Right, exactly. You can't have a bar and uh, and shut down all your electricity and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you can't turn your water off. Uh, you, you just can't because if you have a commercial property that's supposed to be open and in opera- operation, they won't that's let right. you even do that. So you still have bills every single month. And, you know, in a location, especially like Reserve 101, how much I, – like, I can't even imagine – what, what the rent would be what their monthly like that, is yeah. on that because that is a primo spot directly across the street downtown Houston directly across the street from House of Blues it's a beautiful place yeah. to go yep uh, and you guys are right like you guys are just on the other side of a big building from that basically yeah. George R Brown you yeah, might just, recognize it just on the other side of the George R Brown <laughs> yeah. and um, if any of you have driven through Houston you see the George R Brown uh, if if it's on your if it's on your right side, you look over to the left, you're basically looking at the rooftop of where you right. guys are. Right, yeah, And all those uh, other uh, bars and things like that are over there. So then uh, there's some great areas. That's a great little area you guys are in, by the way. You just walk around and have yeah. such it's a good one, time. Honestly, so we love the location, still do. 100% walkable location. Out of all the areas in Houston, quite honestly, you can hit up. You know, dozens upon dozens, mm-hmm. honestly, of restaurants, bars, different things. Houston isn't known for its walkability, if you will. No. So for that particular area, we're very happy to be there. It's been working well for everybody else that hasn't, you know, done done so hot. I hope for sure, hundred percent, they come back, help support the area, and no, what we've seen in other areas where you know Cruz was talking about. Obviously, Houston weathered the storm remarkably well and what we saw in you know washington some of these other areas they did not and you know we're very thankful that we were able to do what we were able to do and we're very happy that we're open today right so and uh, we're we're happy you're open too because the beers are wonderful thank you so much uh michael for being here and uh uh and coming to uh Grace us with your wonderful concoctions once again. 100%. We appreciate it. it. Uh, The uh, (laughs) first two will be in stores uh, very soon. The Tart Golden uh, Strong uh, Spaceport Jam, as well as the Mir Cognac Party, the Belgian Golden Strong. How fun. Uh, And then look for BBA uh, Densefield, um, what, about a month? Yeah, yeah, at the end of August. End of August. So we'll look forward to that. Ian, we have a rarity next week. What? A very rare Uh occurrence. It's just in the words be, of Tim Allen. <laughs> it's just going to be you and me. We have no guest. What? So, Mister Twirly Gig will be on full display, and we'll get to take down some of these lists that I've been holding on to forever while we uh, taste and uh, and enjoy the uh, very some, best that yeah, we have to try yeah, now some, today. Some, some absolute great things. Uh, the still best beers to try. Yep, right now. Still yeah. to come, Keith Taylor with Long Drink will join us in a couple of weeks, and our uh, legal expert Trey Boring will join us to talk cigars and and uh, legislation and, news, yes. and what all of that mm. is about, and then. And I think I mentioned uh, Chris Morris will be back with our martini special in just a few weeks. So mm-hmm. excited about that. All right. I'm voting gin already off uh, the cuff. See, you, it's you and Ian. You're already, like, yeah. teaming up. I mean. Oh, so, yeah. so you do realize that when you make a giant shot of gin, mm-hmm. either shaken or stirred, Delicious. and sometimes it's dirty and sometimes <laughs> it's not, that's called a martini. Sure. Yeah, yeah. When you do Delicious. that with vodka, it's a kangaroo. Mm, so you're saying... That's it's not even rate. really a it's martini. It's not even a martini. Ugh, Ian. I think we already won. 
Well, should we just not do the show then? You're claiming no, no, no. Right? We're gonna do the show. We're gonna have the drinks. <laughs> we're gonna figure it out. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna be here, but I don't we'll know about you, but out. I'm looking forward to just the uh, whole process of trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just yeah, me. Yeah. I, I'm, what do I know? You listen, I'm just saying. It sounds like it's a done deal. You do the drinks and every drink time, the bevs. And every time we have Chris Morris on, something unexpected happens. So that's always uh, something to look forward to. So, uh, folks, have a great week. Uh, check us out and uh, check out our sponsor mycigarshirts.com thank you for being a part of this and uh, uh, thank you again and by the way if you have been uh, a little uh, shy about Mexican style lagers try the Scout it's totally totally worth it I have a thank river you. floating trip coming up that this is going to be sponsored by That's this good. I'm going to show up to that <laughs> I love it I, I think you got to get one of those really big cigars though that will last you for the whole mm, float down a 7 by 70 yes, Oh, absolutely. my God. That's so awesome. Have a great week, my friends, and uh, cheers, y'all. Salud. Woo, cheers. Sunshine is so good to you. So uh, we'll, we go down the river, and I always grab, like, one of the most of Whatever happens, don't leave it so like soon. Like a jail for 7 by 70 Just some ridiculous yeah, number. It's so right, but it's okay.